0: Welcome to the Screamcast episode 81. Yeah! I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Woohoo! He is on he's excited. Uh, not really. But anyways. <laughs> We've Let's been trying it. to align our schedules with BJ, um, but she's been she is a busy woman and uh did not work out for this show. For that we apologize. She will be back. But uh we got a great show, uh Today. I'm really excited to get into the interview. We are talking uh about the movie We're Still Here. We're gonna be talking to Travis Stevens, uh Ted Gagan. Shit, did I say that right? <clears throat> yes, Ted Gagan. Awesome. See, I shouldn't second guess myself on this. And on this
1: Barbara dude. Oh,
0: man oh man. You'd
1: be like,
2: we should you should like try to introduce people like Michael Buffer. <laughs> From from boxing or whatever the guy. All I know is, is he still alive.
0: I have no idea. All I know is the butterflies. You know, we're going didn't crazy he, like, used for to Barbara. Get, like
2: paid like fifty thousand dollars just to say that shit or something crazy.
0: I used to do that stuff in high school. I didn't play organized sports like that. I ran track, but I would. I was the uh, team announcer for the for the basketball team, and I totally did that.
2: Did you butcher everybody's names?
0: No, actually, I did not because, you know, school of, uh, there's like 60 people in my graduating class, so I knew everyone. The one thing I did do though, side note, we're going to go off, we're going to go off a little uh, history of Sean.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: Have I told the story on the, on the podcast (laughs) before? I I don't know. I I don't know. You haven't So it was like parents night. So I was introducing like all the basketball players with their parents, blah, blah, blah. You know, Jamie Huvda, son of whatever, blah, blah, blah. Got through the guys team. Started with the girls team and uh no no hold on. I started with the girls team, got through all the girls, so and so daughter of so and so, got to the guys team, and I kept announcing the guys as daughter of. <laughs>
2: uh, Sean, I don't even it know what to was, say. <laughs>
0: it was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. At that of moment. Of
2: your life, really?
0: That moment is is that's probably the most embarrassing moment of my life because now when i'm older that i'm older i can just shrug it off and tell everyone to you know to fuck off but at that moment you know in high school and as kind of the nerdy kid anyway yeah wasn't really helping my rep so
2: good to know
0: anyway let's jump into this we have we want to get to this interview we don't want to keep you guys waiting for the goodness that is about to happen to your ears get ready For that. But first we're gonna jump into, uh, what's on our doorstep.
1: Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door.
2: You go first, Sean, since you have nothing on your doorstep.
0: My, I have nothing on my doorstep as far as physical media, but I did actually, I did actually make it out to the theater this weekend. Twice! Uh, Twice! You're like a champ. Amazing. Oh, my wife just blew me a kiss. What's up, babe? Yeah, yeah, Jen, you're what's looking, up?
1: You're
0: looking really good in those jeans. I can't wait to... <laughs> Did she just say shh? She shushed me when I was about to seduce Man. her with my words. Um,
2: Man, I got hot. You got see me in my jeans, Sean. Oh. All
0: yeah. right.
2: <clears throat> Whoa.
0: Here we go. She just told the dog to stay, not me.
2: Whoa. Whoa. Anyway. Dog commands. Sit, Sean.
0: So I made it out to the theater twice this weekend. Um, I, We had a birthday date night because it was my birthday last week. And Happy so, birthday! Thanks, thank you. So I got to choose the movie. And, of course, I was going to choose Sicario, which, dude, that thing was tense as hell. And I think probably one of the best movies I've seen in a long time in the theater. Um,
1: Whoa, that's a statement.
0: <laughs> pull quote for the Blu-ray. Damn, <clears throat> but, best movie ever. But seriously, ever. like, you know, we talked about it last week, and everything that was said was correct. I mean, the the cinematography it, it, it is just breathtaking on this film, and it's Deakins is such a master that it's like if you want to go get schooled in some cine- cinematography, you know, a movie like Sicario, I didn't think, you know would have as good a cinematography as it does. I can't freaking talk. But it's there's okay. certain scenes when they're, you're, you're, like, looking in from, like, a drone perspective, right, or whatever, and there's, like, little dots moving on the screen, like cars moving or, like, the squad of soldiers moving in towards a target. And that stuff is, like, I couldn't imagine seeing it on a small screen because it wouldn't have the impact because just, you're just taking all this in. You can see the scope of the area and what's going on. And then even the quieter moments is, is just pretty incredible. So... Uh, if you haven't seen Sicario yet, do it. Do it because it's uh it's gonna it's up there in my top ten for the year. I don't make that the theater as much, but as far as movies I've seen this year, is at the, it's at the top. Um, Whoa! <clears throat> right behind yeah, Deathgasm. I want to see it. Right behind Deathgasm.
1: How was Goosebumps?
0: So then i my daughter has been asking me to see Goosebumps, and at being the awesome father that I am. I said, "Hell yeah, yes. we're gonna go see Goosebumps. Let's do this shit." Yes. I did not use those terms exactly, but we went to Goosebumps yes. and and I, I haven't been a real, I haven't really followed Goosebumps. I think I may have read a couple books back when they first came out, or at least I have read. Yeah,
2: you're you're a little older. Yeah,
0: but I've read R.L. Stein's work. I don't know if R.L. Stein had something before Goosebumps, but I I R.L. Well, Stein's had, a name he that's familiar. He, like, he
2: had what like Fear Street? I think was one. I think Fierce, one.
0: Fear Street was what I read.
2: And he had like Fear, this. Yeah. He had a really bo- good book called Superstitions. I think it was. That uh, was more geared towards like young adult. Yeah. probably more your speed.
0: So Fear, I think Fear Street was what I read, and then Goosebumps came out. And I, I don't. I don't think I read any Goosebumps now, now that I think about it. But so for me coming in almost totally fresh to this Goosebumps oh, universe yeah. and everything.
2: That was my that was my jam and, when I was little. Man,
0: well, I was a little worried that this movie would be geared towards like the fans of, of Goosebumps, people that grew up with it. But oh, but it was a great movie. It, was, it wasn't scary. Like I think my daughter said that she was more scared of the books and the like the TV show or whatever than the actual movie. But it is a fun, well written movie. Jack Black's great in it. Um, the writing is surprisingly witty for a, a kids film or a young a young adult film. And it was just a lot of fun. I mean, I was grinning ear to ear like an idiot and, um, my daughter just had a blast. So she said it's, you know, it's one of her favorite movies she's seen. Um, and she saw Pan last weekend and she said Pan's a pile of crap. So she had fun with Goosebumps and I, I think it's good, man. Even if you're, if you, even if you're a grown up, um, and you want kind of a good little, you know, just a little, horror comedy i guess and not really horror but just fan you know i would definitely say go see it because it's yeah it reminded no, me no, of all the movies i watched as a kid you know
2: watching the trailer it brought back a lot of memories because there's like little hints at all the books mm-hmm. well not all the books but you know kind of the bigger ones but that was i read goosebumps from the time of welcome to dead house i know is the very first book and i think i got all the way into i think it was like monster blood 3 or it was it was kind of a i think it was towards it wasn't till the end but i don't know i it was like 97 i guess the end of 96 i was like 12 or 13 i was kind of getting out of it mm-hmm. you know because i was watching horror films but this it was a little too kiddish for me um around that time so i moved on to his like adult uh his adult young adult novels and uh started reading that and i had a lot more fun yeah um but it was funny because a few, maybe about two years ago, i'd say maybe about two years ago um for christmas janice brought uh bought me like the original books like not like she actually went to like yard sales and like you know, used bookstores and, like, find the rich, because, you know, they re-released them, like, yeah. new covers and stuff, but she bought me, like, the first, like, five. And uh, I was, like, one day, I was, like, ah, I'm just going to read this, and I was, like, oh, my God. It's, like, something I wrote when I was, like, <laughs> ten, and I was, like, nah. I was, like, I'll just I'll just keep it in my head that it was, right. uh, you know what But really good, though, was the TV show.
0: Well, yeah, so that's what my daughter you know? was saying, was she was yeah. actually, she was actually, like, it actually scared her and freaked her out. Yeah, yeah no,
2: like the TV show, like the intro is awful to the song. It is that ghost dog that's like,
1: roof, 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 roof.
2: but I know that sounds out of the blue, but people that watch the show know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um But yeah, the show, like there's some episodes in there that are really good. Like the Night of Living Dummy episodes. Yeah are really fucking good and yeah. they are kind of scary at times even as an adult watching it you kind of get yourself drawn in a little bit now there's a couple that are you know very humorous and and, and funny for the most part uh, but it was like it, you know it was a little kid's tales from the crypt that's what it felt like i mean yeah. it came out years later i remember kind of the haunted mask i think was the very first goosebumps uh you know, maybe the, I think it was the movie because they did movies as well. I think there was a few movies. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like straight-to-video type things, right?
2: Yeah, and then uh, and it was like, you know, premiered on cable or something. Yeah, But yeah, it was always, you know, I thought that was a good – and I gave them to Willow too, um, you know, because I had her read them. You know, because I thought that was a good segue because, you know, I really tried to mold all of that, her getting into movies and horror. I tried really hard – not to push Mm -hmm. on her with with that or, you know, to the point of – because a lot of people are like, let's scare the kids. Well, if you do that, they're not going to want to watch it. So try to, you know, push it to the point where they actually enjoy it and Mm -hmm. they like being scared. That's the the fun about horror films and being scared is that you want to be scared. You want that thrill. You want that drive. Um, You know, if you turn it out a little too much on children when they're little – they don't want it because they don't yeah. want to cry. They don't want to be, they don't want to go to bed scared. So a uh, goosebumps is another good little segue into uh her
1: horror.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. She's, uh, she's on her way and she's doing it on her own. But the film, what I liked about the film was like, it's, it was a bit, it's a bit meta in the fact that these books are real. RL Stein's, you know, Jack Black's yeah. playing Arl Stein. And I was kind of worried that it would go that like, kind of the, the night of me, mu- the night of the museum route, you know, and just be mm-hmm. just kind of dumb yeah. and, and stupid humor But, um, and I was worried about all just, you know, just way too many monsters to incorporate into this one story, you know, but, uh, I think they did it really well. And, um, and if you're a fan of the books, you're going to see little nods to pretty much probably, I think they fit in every single character, every single monster. They, there's just a crowd, uh, and, but, um, but all that aside, like the effects were really good, uh, the main characters you really, really care about these two characters this this boy um who his his in the and his dad has recently passed away so they've moved got a new house moving away for change of scenery and there's it's, there's a few moments where i was like welling up you know there was some like real emotion to the script and to the story where you really even as an as, as an adult i could relate to the situation and the actors were really great and you really cared about the two leads um so it's fantastic, man. I, I really had a lot. I had a lot of fun yeah. with it. So it's, so a lot it's, of, it's refreshing great, to see it.
2: It's getting yeah. great reviews, too. And for something like that, that, you it know, key, it well, yeah, that <laughs> but just it's really welcomed by a lot of people like, you know, adults, kids and even hardcore horror fans, because, yeah. you know, because a lot of the bigger fans of horror that's, you know, in journalism there, they range between the ages of, you know, 30 and 40. So um you know Goosebumps was somewhat part of their life or even RL Stein at, at that time I was a huge huge fan of our I wrote him a fucking letter when I was little you know <laughs> I mean I I, I, I mean, it was a big part of my childhood and a big part of my horror life and really you know I it's funny because he kind of goes uncredited for a lot of that, it seems. Mm-hmm. So I think he was a big part of everybody's life uh, that was in, you know, kids that were in horror films.
0: Well, like like I said, he even helped me transition with his – the F- Fear Street.
2: Yeah. You know, so – Yeah, Fear Street was great too. That was a little bit better than uh, –
0: Because that's well, when I was kind of – it wasn't
2: better. It was just – it was a little more – it was a little more grown up, you know, horror it seems rather than – because. You know, going back and being that I've read, um, read the books again as an adult, uh-huh. and even reading Fear Street uh, a little bit, you know, and, and, and seeing Willow read it, uh, Fear Street is more grown up for sure. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it was kind of like I would go between that. I started off with Fear Street, and then I started getting into Stephen King. So it definitely yeah. opened up Pandora's box with horror for me for sure. So, so. cool, man. What's cool. Uh, what's on your doorstep?
2: Um, quite a bit. I will brush through some of this quickly. Others I'll stay on a little bit longer. I received the Blu-ray of um, *The Brood* um, by Criterion, which I was, uh, you know, very excited about just because uh, Umbrella un- released it uh, last year. I think it was an Australian yeah, it's company. Yeah, the copy I have. Yeah, and um, it was, un- you know, their their version was uh, an HD version of the uncut. Um, uh, uncut and remastered on the Blu-ray would look really good. The only other uncut version there was, I think, was the MGM release on DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, so but when it transitioned, there's a couple other releases. They cut out a lot of the you know kind of gorier parts and you know heavier parts of the film. So I was glad to have that Blu-ray from um, uh, Umbrella. But then they actually did a new 2K scan on the print. Um, supervised by Cronenberg I, mm. you know you people put that on there but I, I'm just not how much I don't know what that means because I don't picture Cronenberg sitting there like oh yeah that looks really no, good no, I, I picture somebody like, did hey, the man, work and here's the screen caps of your movie yeah. do you like it <laughs> yep Yeah, I think it's over like text messages that, that's what it feels well, like look what I mean... happened
0: to the Night of the Living Dead remake I mean that's totally what happened there you know
2: yeah, you know, be, you know, I, I think it's just something you know for some companies to fall back on, but th- this is not that situation. Okay, it, it looks great. It's unrated. Um, you know, it's the ninety-two minute version rather than I think it's the eighty-eight. I think is the is the cut mm-hmm. um cut version. They is there's some really cool shit on here. There's um, sadly there's nothing with um Cronenberg. But there's plenty with um, their center photographer, which is Mark Irwin, who's well-known. The special effects guys, they they interview Rick Baker and and Joe Blasco. If you don't know who Joe Blasco is, he has a fucking school for this. Uh, Like Rick Baker and Savini, Blasco is – it actually is here in Florida, um, one of the bigger schools uh, for makeup and special effects, um, which is really cool. There's actually uh, a 4K transfer of – Another Cronenberg uh, feature, Crimes of the Future, Um, and there's actually an older interview with Cronenberg. But as far as the film, pretty much everybody knows The Brood, so I'm not going to get into it. It's a a kid killer film. Uh, Very tense and scary at times for something that's coming out of, what, like 1970, late 70s, I think Mm -hmm. this movie was released. So... um, you know the fetus-looking, the crazy, the crazy shit that happens in the movie. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. But fucking Criterion put this awful cover.
3: Oh, I number hate the cover, man.
0: It, that's it doesn't like, look that's good.
2: Why... But number two is the fucking huge spoiler. If you don't know, if you don't know the movie at all, you look at this and you're like, oh, cool, it's a woman holding a fetus. When you realize, when you see the woman in the movie, you're like, oh, okay. That's probably what this is going to be because of how it's shot. Right. So it it's kind of a, a silly a silly giveaway. I I, um, I can't stand
0: that cover man, and, and that's the main reason why I've held off because I already I already own <laughs> the umbrella one. It looks know. better. It does. does it look better. It, okay.
2: It does look better. I, it, I'll get it when Criterion has a sale. It's, it's nice and crisp and clear. It it looks it looks uh it looks fairly 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 okay. fairly good good. Um. So next we have um. In the past, we had a guest on the show twice for our um, – it was a Deadly Blessing for John Portanovi. He was on Deadly Blessing episode, yeah. and then he was on – what else was he on? The equator mass experiment. Yes. Um, he's the writer and director of The Device and the and Invoking – well, they made an Invoking sequel. <laughs> um, and, and he and the October people is no affiliation with this movie whatsoever. Um, so anyways, uh, RLJ Entertainment, in order to sell more movies, they slapped this Invoking 2 on this movie, and <laughs> it's actually a collection of shorts. That's so that, weird, man. Uh, you know, they didn't put the subtitle on this because it's when you play the movie, it's the Invoking 2 colon paranormal events Uh, um so we get to watch five not really good shorts at all from ranging from a few years uh in the making just not a good collection of shorts number one and just kind of a piss poor way to repackage something i didn't make it to the theaters to see this i really wanted to um but I was kind of hesitant. Uh, the Vatican tapes, uh, finally came out, um, on blu-ray. It's by the guys that did crank, uh, crank two. And, uh, oh, like okay. the, I think the second ghost Rider movie. So when I heard they were doing an exorcist movie, all I pictured was some like crazy amped up exorcist. That's all I could picture.
0: Fueled by energy drinks.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's not at all. It's very tame. It's very bland. um, Relatively boring. Like, for the first hour, it's kind of a boring movie. It's this big setup, but holy shit, man. The last, like, 20 minutes of this movie, though, is really fucking good and really epic and takes a turn that you have, like, it is great. Like, it just hits you in the face and it becomes a full on exorcist movie. And with kind of a little hint of, you know, The Exorcist um, and pretty much like just an homage to like older, you know, haunting and exorcism films. Hmm. You know, everything, it has like the feel of like the Amityville horror, which is, you know, obviously a haunting of a of a house. Um, I'm, I'm losing my uh, idea on uh, some other Exorcist movies back in the day. I, I can't, I can't think. But it, 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 the whole film doesn't have this feel. It's just like the last 20 minutes. It, it takes this different turn and really enjoyable, uh, okay. for the most part for the last 20 minutes. It just takes a while to get there. So I can't like recommend it and be like, oh man, this is great. Is it um, like it, a lot
0: of character driven? Is it, is this a found, like kind of found footage y No, type no, it's or? not. It, no, okay. it sounds
2: like, I think that's what hurt it too. Cause it's right. The it's, Vatican oh, Vatican they bad. Yeah. They do some type, they do <clears> some type of, uh, found footage. To it, it's just the point is that there's all these cases okay. that the Vatican has withheld and all this footage of all these different things that have happened in the history of, you know, demons and everything, and it just happens to be one of the cases. Okay. But it's a pretty epic one. It's like – it's I can't recommend it. Wait till Netflix.
0: Yeah. Maybe- I, I love it when they do that. I mean I I find it refreshing when that ha- – when, when the last 20 <laughs> minutes of a film just goes –
2: yeah, it That's made me actually city. really – it made me enjoy the film because um, yeah. you know, I wasn't really enjoying it until like once it – like there's a certain thing that happens. You're like, oh, shit, and then you're hooked. Right. So it, it's kind of a weird setup. It just – it sucks that it takes so long to get there. Yeah. Um, next we have another one by RLJ Entertainment. This is This is a movie I heard a lot about. From many reliable sources, a lot of the horror sites were praising this movie, and I just don't get it. Um, It's called some kind of hate. It was marketed as kind of a feminist revenge thriller, and it's not at all. I'm not. I'm not a lady. I know that, (laughs) but I can pick out a feminist film from you know. I'm. I'm I'm a smart guy. I, I just don't see it. I it's it's um it's basically this retreat that these um this kind of like remote school in a way that these you know bad kids uh, go to and of course there's bad kids there and they pick on the new kid um and he you know friends this girl that's there and then they realize that there's this ghost that haunts the school um and it doesn't like bullies, so it's an anti-bullying film for sure. Yeah. Just because it's a female, I don't relatively make it a feminist film because the girl's killing everybody. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just it's just very bland. It's 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 not very exciting by any means. Um, I guess it's a unique take for sure on the sense of being a slasher film, but. It's just really cheesy, and it's very like it's very predictable. So uh, I, I can't really recommend that too much. I think it's going to be a Best Buy exclusive. Uh, when
0: it comes okay, out. I saw somebody uh, showing off their screeners on Facebook today, and those in there.
2: Yeah. Um, next, I, I spoke about uh, Demon Knight last time. I finally got around to Bordello of Blood, which was one of the Tales from the Crypt movies that. I wasn't that big of a fan of uh growing up, even though it had titties, you know, you think you would in, in enjoy it I, a little I loved bit it more, probably but...
0: exclusively for that and that Cory Feldman was in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I watched it. It it's actually not that bad. It's not that bad of a, a of a film. You know, it's got great cinematography. Um, it, it's really well shot. It, it, I mean, it looks like a Tales from the Crypt movie. It right. has, you know, when you have Adler and, you know, Donner and, um, you know, Silver and Zemeckis behind something, I your film's going to look a certain way. And, and, and it, it does achieve that. Dennis Miller is, he fits in the film, but it's just too much Dennis Miller.
0: Now, is he's that just, like kind of hindsight because he's kind of turning into such a dickbag these days or?
2: Um, well, according to everything, he was a huge dick on the set. <laughs> um, and he okay. was to the point, I guess, he wasn't even speaking to, um, you know, the actors. Wow. I, I think Corey Feldman said he was, he, he, you know, they hated working with him. <laughs> um, so, but you can't, I, I guess he did his job right because you can't really tell that you like, right. sometimes you could tell in a movie if something isn't going well, you know? Um, But Dennis Miller's funny, but it's just like Tales from the Crypt, it's meant to be – there's supposed to to be humor from it. I mean from the TV show it carried that. I mean from the host of Tales from the Crypt, the creep keeper, spouting off jokes and everything. So there's that certain – that mixture of horror and comedy. It's just that Dennis Miller, it feels like he's doing stand-up partially through the film, you know, when he speaks and de- deliver his lines. Um, but, you know, with the cast, with Corey Feldman, with, you know, uh, Eric Alaniac, Erica Alaniac, um, and also, uh, God, who's the, uh, fucking Chris Sarandon, BJ's main squeeze. Um, <laughs> it, for, for all, for all purposes, it's, it holds up, but it's definitely, you can see why, you know, after this film, they did the third one, and then they took <laughs> when up on the release of it. A lot of people don't know there's th- third Tales from the Crypt movie, but there is. It's called oh. Ritual. Huh. Yeah, they just took all the Tales from the Crypt stuff out of it. You know, the introduction with the Crypt Keeper, and they released it. Um, it was supposed to have a theatrical release, but then they just wiped that clean, put it on video, and then that's it. And then around 2008, it got a DVD release, and then all that footage of the Crypt Keeper was put back into the film. Um, and that was actually, that's the third Tales from the Crypt movie. Um, and then they had other films planned. Uh, I can't remember the, the name. There was, there was two films planned for um, Tales from the Crypt, but being that the success of Bordello Blood didn't do well, especially when it came out on video and kind of the failing of Ritual, they just called quits, which, you know, it's surprising that this doesn't come back. With everybody yeah. that was involved in the beginning, you know, from Zemeckis to Joel Silver, like all those guys are fairly prominent producers and filmmakers. And it was just kind of weird that the resurgence, uh, and, and kind of the cult, uh, you know, cult, cult fanatics for, you know, Badello of Blood and Demon Knight, there's not a resurgent for Tales on the Crypt yet. Because all these horror TV shows are doing fairly well. So it's almost—I feel like any day we're going to get an announcement that Tales from the Crypt is going to be back. And, and look at all the cool yeah, ass right filmmakers—you know, all the cool ass filmmakers we could have—you know, from Wingard to Ty West, you know, to Simon Barrett doing shit, you know, some of the—you know—you know, you know Bloomhouse maybe being involved. It, it just kind of—it just feels like it would just be right and be huge doing a—you know—an extra—you know—another TV show. Because um, I mean, the cartoon came out afterwards for Tales from the Crypt and shit like that but you know a a legitimate that's why I was so excited when they announced American Horror Story first because I thought that was going to be I thought it was going to be a TV show like an anthology TV show
0: yeah well it kind of is and then Dylan McDermott
2: showed up in the second well true but Dylan McDermott showed up in the second episode and I'm like "Eh, no I
0: never finished it I I watched part of the first season and I was like yeah the opening
2: of the opening of the first uh, you know I know that's a you know very, very. People love that show. Oh, people, but just, and I people did, love Walking Dead, too. But the thing is, is that, you know, all this horror TV show stuff is coming back. Why why isn't Tales from the Crypt? Because it was so popular. Yeah. And it was an HBO show, and it still was super popular. It, it's just kind of funny it hasn't come back yet. But, anyways, yeah, uh, that... you know, decent transfer. This is kind of the same as okay. um, uh, Demon Knight. Sounds really great. The. The whole, uh, you know, kind of raid on uh, the Bordello with Dennis Miller and Chris Sarandon is fucking top-notch still. It still is the best part of the movie. It's so good. But, uh, you know, worth picking up when the price comes down is, you know, that in Demon Knight. Yeah. Demon Knight first, Bordello Blood second.
0: I'm waiting for those two to come down. They're both like 22 bucks right now, and I'm just like waiting. Any day now when they drop, I'm, I'm going to grab those two. Um, FOI Ritual had a Blu-ray release on Echo Bridge, and it's worth $91 right now.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, Echo so you- Bridge, it was, it was like uh, um, first-time Blu-ray type thing. Yeah. Anytime you see those, pick them up, because they're only – like, I've picked up a lot just because they anything that has, like, that big gold star on it that says first time on Blu-ray – Pick it up because that means it's limited, right? For some reason, all those Blu-rays that Echo Bridge, like best the best uh, one, two, and three, released on (laughs) Blu-ray, but you can't find those anywhere. Yeah. Um. So anytime I see those, I always pick them up. Uh, Fortress, I think, was another one,
0: and they're usually like five or between five and ten bucks. So it's like they're in
2: the Best Buy uh, cheap bin. (laughs) Is (laughs) that where you find them? So (sighs) next, Um, this has been out for a little bit, but I finally got around to watching it. Um, was Adam's Family. I was always a big fan of Adam's Family. Finally got a route watching the Blu-ray. Decent transfer. It just seems that Adam's Family is one that's kind of forgotten about, like, kids-wise. It's so, like, it's made for adults, too. There's so much sexual stuff that goes on (laughs) in Adam's (laughs) Family. We watched
0: it with the kids (laughs) last last yeah. year and my wife <laughs> yeah she does this thing where she always we. this happened in x-men 2 there's like a makeout scene and she keeps giving me these awkward looks like should yeah. we be why that was happening all throughout Adam's Yeah, family. just
2: but it's it's so over their heads though because gomez <laughs> says so many things yeah. to morticia but it's just it's just a fun it really is a fun family movie and it, like every time i watch this movie it feels like i'm watching it for the first time again I don't know. It's just the characters flow well, That the actors are just incredible. Uh, portraying. you know, because of course Adam family look like, starting like the sixties is like a short lived TV show, like two or three seasons. And then, uh, well, I actually started in the thirties as a comic strip and then lasted up until, I don't know, the sixties until the guy died, which is last I think it's Charles Adams was his name or something like that. And then the TV show came about for uh, three years. And then after that we had animated TV series, cartoons, um, stuff like that, so it, it was fun to see uh, as a kid um, going to see this because it was, you know, a horror comedy in a way, a horror film for children. Yeah, that's how I looked at it. And then Adam's Family Values is just as fucking good.
0: It, you know what? I don't th- reunion. I, I don't think I've Not seen it so much. I don't think I've seen Adam, Adam's Family val- Values. Oh, dude, it's so. Or funny. I can't remember it. Dude, do, do to revisit.
2: There's uh there's there's a sequence where. Uh, Wednesday and Pugsley are at like kind of this retreat and this girl comes up. I think it's the girl that sells Girl Scout cookies in the first movie. You know, and she says, you do want to buy some Girl Scout cookies or mm-hmm. your lemons or your lemonade made from real lemons. She's like, or your Girl Scouts made or Girl Scout cookies made from real Girl Scouts. <laughs> right,
3: right, right.
2: But like, I think that girl shows up and she says, you know, about being born. She says, oh, my mommy and daddy, there's this, you know, like this story about like a stork or something drops off. She's like, what did your parents do? Our parents had sex. (laughs) (laughs) It's just it's just so classic. It is just like no, they they really I don't know. It's just really well written. It's very witty. And Christina Ricci's fucking hysterical.
0: Yeah. Like in the
2: original when they actually do uh the fencing scene and they like he cuts her arm off and cuts her throat and the blood's just spritting across the crowd. I don't know. It's just (laughs) just a very enjoyable Great family of horror film, so definitely pick that up if you haven't. Both are out on Blu-ray. Um, definitely check it out. It's been out for a bit, I think. Um, next is a art exploitation movie. Um, they've been really churning and out, so they finally got around to. Uh, I think uh, Eric spoke about this on the um, the podcast, "Bloody Knuckles." Um, oh, yeah. It's about an artist um, who does these kind of really fringe and like really could be racist very touchy subjects of this uh, underground comic that he writes so anything that's going on in the world you know from the Taliban to like 9-11 to you know he'll make fun of that um so he makes fun of a local um kind of underground chinese gangster who has this uh, rat kind of this poison that's uh very potent it's like a rat Rat poison, but it's ended up, you know, like kids are like blowing up, and you start bleeding from the eyes if you touch it. Oh jeez. Uh, so like all, all this like crazy situation. So he's like under investigation, and you know he's got this like uh, underground street gang, but he's like very prominent, like in the city. He's making deals, you know, with uh, you know, kind of the city hall and everything like that. He's like kind of a well respected guy in a way, but he has this really dark background. So this artist makes fun of him. And one night, these gangsters find his comic, and then they hunt him down. And as payment, uh, they take his hand, so he can't draw anymore. Um, And then the hand kind of gets into the rat poison type thing and comes back to life, reanimates, and becomes hand from the Addams Family. (laughs) Um, And then kind of wants to... (sighs) It kind of tortures him in a way because he doesn't want to believe his hand is reanimated and his hand starts drawing again, like these really, you know, racy, uh, comic strips and wants him to get back into work. His friends want to see him do it. And then he gets caught up with the gangsters again and the hand just takes a new life. And it, <laughs> it gets to the point where it's a little ridiculous, but. There's this character that shows up about an hour into the movie that steals the fucking show. It's uh, Dino. Uh, Dino. Shit, what's his last name? God. You'll know. He's the fucking <laughs> SM guy. Fucking steals the show. Goddamn hysterical. His lines, like, this actor delivers everything so perfect. It's very funny, but it's another one of those movies that takes so long. To actually get there, the last thirty minutes are highly enjoyable, mainly because of that character. And I've heard that they're doing a spinoff with that character because it's just so popular. Like at festivals, everybody loves it. Oh wow! But you know, a fun, really practical effects, gory, gory comedy. Um, You know, it's not a it's not a bad movie by any means. It has a lot of um, you know, homages to kind of the you know, kind of the new this new wave and this new you know, kind of resurgence of these horror films from these new directors. It it has that love, you know, it has that feel of wanting to be different and new and, you know, trying to do something, um, you know, unlike anything else that's out there. And our exploitation is put out, which is, it's kind of, kind of weird. Um, because it doesn't really fit there. I don't, I guess that's, I don't know if I should say that because it, it, I guess it kind of does because they're all over the place. But I just haven't really seen a horror comedy from these guys. They're very, you know, artsy. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely not one of those films. But I can see where the love for this uh, comes from. Especially, I'm not a big horror comedy fan, so that's probably why I'm kind of like pushing back a little bit. I'm
0: gonna remind you that you said that in a little bit here, after we uh, after the interview. What? Never mind. We'll get that
2: into it. That I'm not into horror comedies. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, I, 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 like them when they're, I, I like them when they're well done. I mean, it's not like, you know, but if I had a choice, I'm not a big fan of comedies to begin with, and I right. don't like horror and comedy mix too often. If it's done right, you know, stuff like Cooties I really liked, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil I really enjoyed. Yeah. It just has to be done well. Cool. You know, I don't like par- oh wow, you're totally, like, cut me off there. I know that, <laughs> I know that. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna shove it in your face later. Um, <laughs> next I got to, uh oh, in all of film's release, uh, they've been turning out uh, the horror titles recently. they got a bunch of stuff coming up from Slasher. Uh, this is not really a horror film, but kind of fits um, Alicia Silverstone and the Babysitter. Um, this is a weird movie. Like, I don't remember it being this weird. But I, I, I tweeted the other day, it's like a great triple feature would be The Crush with Alicia Silverstone, the Babysitter, and Fear.
3: Hmm. Like,
2: it has that really sleazy 90s shit. Um, The Babysitter is definitely up there with the sleaziness because you have three characters. Um, You have uh, Harry, which is played by J.T. Walsh, who is fucking phenomenal. Everything that J.T. Walsh was in, he always steals the show. He can be the scariest or the funniest guy. Um, Everything from being kind of the pathetic uh, character he is in Sling Blade to kind of the sleazy, you know, pervy old man in the babysitter to being the most intimidating villains in uh he plays red red bar I think in um uh, Breakdown with Kurt Russell which is a great movie by the way um Oh yeah, but he's just you know just he's he gets into character so well, and and that's one thing that I think the reason why the babysitter is so good is because of his you know fascination with this you know of course the babysitter comes over Alicia Silverstone, and you know she has her um her boyfriend who is uh who's Jack, and then she has this um guy that always sits on her, which is played by Nikki Cat, who is uh Mark. Um, so Mark and Jack kind of get together and they know that she's babysitting at this house. So, you know, Mark encourages Jack to go over there, uh, for them to go over there and, you know, kind of spy on her, see what she's doing. Um, at the same time, JT Walsh, and then, you know, they're watching his kids with his wife, um, and they go to a party. Well, he keeps on thinking about her while he's at the party. So a lot of the film is fantasies. Fantasies from from Jack, from Mark, and from um, JT Walsh's character, Harry. So they're all three dreaming, and then actually you get to see this. So it's very sleazy because we have the babysitter. We don't know her age, (laughs) but she's a fucking babysitter. You know, like maybe 15, 17 years old, this girl is. Um, And so it's very. just very gross like very dirty at times. And not to the point where it never pushes the limits. That's the one thing I do enjoy about it. It gets grimy, but not to the point where it's exploitive. Um, but even to the point where the little boy that she's watching has a fantasy about her. <laughs> so it's like she draws in and she does and it is great because it shows like just how kind of gross dudes are because yeah. she doesn't do anything. You know, like do anything to egg them on. Um, you know, she's just being herself, which, you know, there's always that thing is like, well, if they didn't dress like that, no one would do it. It's nothing like that. You know, she's just trying to make money as a babysitter. Um, you know, she's dealing, you know, she's very standoffish with everybody, but it just, it, it, and you just, it's like a weird Lolita story (laughs) in a way, like, like a, a, you know, an updated Lolita with, with three guys that are all over this teenage girl. Um, but I know that sounds like really creepy, but it's not it never goes that route it it its it has this box and it stays in it and doesn't really go outside that hmm. it's just it's just funny to watch and it's and it's also the movie's just about inner desires in a way. It's not about wanting a girl that's so young because we I mean, we have two guys that are age appropriate that want her. We have a young a young boy who's you know eleven. Who wants to spy on her in the bathroom? you know we have an older man um, you know that that is fantasizing about a younger woman. We also have j t walsh 's character uh, or his his wife is obsessing with another guy at the party, and she has these fantasies about him taking her because she 's not satisfied with her with her home life. but this guy that gives her attention at this party she fantasizes about. So it's just like this inner desires of like, I don't know if it's a message like, are you happy? Or just kind of the things that, you know, even if you are faithful and loyal, the things that might pop in your head here or there when you check somebody out, you know, or, or, or your fantasy role play of, of, of what you think, you know, because I mean, there is that fantasy that people have of the babysitter, which is really weird because it's always, you know, what is your babysitter, 18? No. <laughs>
0: Right. You know, so it's so just, it,
2: it, it, yeah, it's the point where it just gets really pervy. As, and, a, but, as a
0: father who hires babysitters now, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's just weird. I,
2: I, I've never, I, yeah, I've never done it, you yeah. know, and, and I babysitters to watch Willow, but, uh, you know, I remember my babysitters, you know, the next door neighbor girl who I, you know, fantasize about plenty, you know, her name is Lori and she, you know, she was like 16 and I was, you know, like nine and I was to the point in ten, nine or ten fantasizing about her watching her, you know, wash her car in her bikini. Um, you know, but it, it it makes you it just makes you think like, you know, how many people actually fantasize about this uh, stuff that have these inner desires anywhere between, you know, teenagers to older men? Um, and it's just it's kind of a weird it, it really with your head a little Mm -hmm. bit it really does so it's definitely watch it's there's more than meets the eye with just it being a pervy movie
0: if you there's you know oh if you have amazon prime you can stream it for free
2: there you go and then also the same thing with the you know the crush the crush is a different story because it's about obsession um you know this is i think about desire and 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 things that we can't have that we want that we you know it could be anything you know not not don't picture a young girl because it's gross but you know um, just anything that you want you know wh- whether you're single or whether you're married just kind of what goes through our head I don't know it's just it's an interesting movie I think more more, more than meets the eye um, next I didn't see this movie for years I saw this I guess when it first came out but it's uh, Lucky McKee's The Woods holy shit <laughs> I did not remember this movie at all um number one the transfer is not very good so if you have the dvd maybe stick with that or buy the dvd and watch it the colors are so fucking muted the the main girl is bright redhead i was like looking at pictures of her uh-huh. from the stills from the movie and her hair is fucking red 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 it's fucking brown in this in in this on this blu-ray
0: oh really on the, cover, I was like, on the cover she has red hair
2: yeah, well I didn't picture I didn't see that at first, but in the movie they call her Fire Crotch. And so I was like, "Wait a second. You know, cuz the girl comes up and she's like, "Hey, is your pubic hair as red as the hair on your head?" And I was like, "You dumb bitch, her hair isn't red." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, "Okay, let me look this up." No, this is just the colors, like the color scheme in this film. Like it's a very colorful movie, that's the bad part, you know, cuz it takes place in like, you know, the 50s or 60s. Um, got a great soundtrack by Leslie Gore. They use all Leslie Gore songs, which I thought was very fascinating. Um, but it's just this kind of boarding school that, uh, that these, uh, girls go is this, you know, yeah. Academy for, you know, young, young girls. There's kind of a, you know, with her, the lead character who is, um, shit, I forget her name. I'll remember in a second, but, um she set fire to, you know, a place in her house, her parent center, this boarding school and getting into more. Have you seen the woods? I have not. Okay. Uh, there's discussion about in the, in the back in the day, there was this like coven of witches that were, um, that were brought forth that, um, kind of hid in the woods. I I don't want to give too much away because it is kind of an intricate story. A lot of surprises. Um, needless to say, it's a movie about witches and the woods. And the woods, it's called The Woods for a reason. Um, so basically, you take a covenant of witches and throw them in the Evil Dead movie, and there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of Lucky McKee's The Woods. Very beautiful, extremely well shot. Special effects. This movie is 2005, by the way. Okay. And not to mention, it's in a very independent film. It's, it's Lucky McKee's follow up to May. And so it fucking isn't a $10 million movie, but the special effects in this movie, like one thing that's always hard to do is special effects of trees that are moving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause the evil dead, we have branches, but everything else from, you know, uh, you know, Disney movies, when branches and trees move and things grow and wrap around you and pull you in, it looks bad. You can, There's you can a, always
0: tell us like the reverse, how they shoot it in reverse. Or, you know yeah, I mean? yeah.
2: The reverse, like, if they use something, you know, uh, something real, but right. for the most part, CGI looks awful. Yeah. Um, For this, there's a lot of CGI with, because there's a lot of branches and trees moving. It looks really good. Oh, huh, okay. So it's, it's very impressive. Like, I just, I can't buy this anymore. Like, you know, oh, you know, just, you know, we didn't have the budget for that. No, 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 no. If Lucky McKee has the budget in the woods, you have the budget for a big blockbuster movie, whatever you are.
3: So it's just they got all these
0: different effects houses now. Effects houses like ten different ones. We're working on one movie, farming it out as fast as they can. That's that's the problem these days.
2: So, but anyways, it's it, it's a it's a fascinating movie because it it has to like you just don't know. It's a nightmare, is what it is you know you have this girl who's homesick that she wants to go home because she she's not getting along with anybody around school she's having these visions she's getting these stories about witches so she doesn't kind of know what to believe so it's just this whole nightmare until it unfolds and you actually find out what's going on and it's really fucking good and really crazy and has this great great climax so um it's it's a it's you know, you kind of really see like Lucky McKee's a fun director. He has May, which is great. And then he has The Woods, which you know I'm glad I revisited. It sucks that I waited so long because this is actually a really great movie. And then he had Red, which was you know with uh, Brian Cox about the revenge on the dog. Um, you know he has All Cheer All Cheerleaders Die, which is like oh, another oh, really.
0: Uh, that's good. hated that's good.
2: All Cheerleaders Die. Oh,
0: okay, that's a pretty good flick.
2: So yeah, he's just he's kind of all over the place, and oh, okay. you know his. I think his best. His, I think he did the woman as well. Um, his best movie by far, though, is the woods. Just, just in kind of almost impeccable filmmaking as as a horror director. Like if you direct a horror film, your movie maybe should look like this. So cool. take note from Lucky McKee. Very cool. Um, on this speaking of Lucky McKee, uh, I got around to watching Tales of Halloween as well um people are going apeshit over it which i'm super excited about i'm very very happy that um that tales from halloween's doing good it's on voodoo on amazon so you can rent it um some really great segments in there so definitely uh check that one out um and you know some of the segments are okay that's all i'm gonna say um but uh, you know it's it's a it's a fun it's fun to see that community um you know get together and make something kind of unique and 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 different and kind of make the movie that they want to do you know give the give these uh decent horror film directors another chance get you know these all these actors and you know you know even felissa rose in it she doesn't have a speaking role she's just in the background you know and like felissa rose has her kids um you know in the film too but she doesn't even have a speaking role but felissa rose is in it it's got Graham Skipper, Adam Green, Barbara Crampton, Alexandra Esso. It has uh, Stuart Gordon. It has Joe Dante. You know, just, just this barrage of, you know, actors, you know, these directors, even actors in, in it. Uh, Neil Marshall did a segment, which is uh, probably my favorite. Uh, his wife, uh, I, I guess it's, I don't know if it's Alexa Caroline. She, she's also always, the creator of the. Yeah, I always say Alexa. Um, her her uh, shorts great it was the ghost one. Uh, Lucky McKee does a decent job. Um, I don't know who did the first one. The first one's my favorite. It's called Sweet Tooth. But um, you know, it's it's just a lot of fun to watch something and kind of it, it almost have to watch it twice because there's a lot of cameos that are just very short as well, which is um, a lot of fun. And uh, last but not least, um, I got around to watching. Uh, we're gonna talk further about this movie um on a future podcast but i just want to mention that the reason why i want to bring it up instead of later is that i want you to watch it um we are in the process of getting um erwin leader on on the show who stars in this film called angst if you haven't not seen angst i highly highly suggest picking up the blu-ray just came out by uh called epic's I definitely pick it up because when we talk about the film, it will be a spoilery episode um, because there's no way to talk about the film unless you really dive into it Okay, because it's just a unique um, and truly brutal and terrifying movie. Um, I've seen a lot of crazy shit in my life. I like batshit crazy movies. I like br- brutality. Um, but this is a film that takes – a very basic story about home invasion and makes it terrifying at the same time sympathetic for the invaders. Hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> it
2: is, it's such a unique movie. Um, and also from a first time director, only movie this guy directed, I think. Um, but Erwin er- leader is such, does such a fucking good job and truly ambitious as well because the movie is mostly voiceover for the dialogue Hmm. which is really crazy I mean there is dialogue throughout the movie but for 80% maybe 90% of the film is voiceover it's such an ambitious approach but it works so fucking well Um, so I'm kind of excited for other people uh, to speak to other people to feel how they felt about the movie because I read it in a completely uh, in this really weird way which I think I'm right (laughs) <laughs> um I think it's meant to be this way. But um like some of the best first person camera work I have seen in my life. Um but yeah, definitely pick it up. Um I I don't think it's a limited edition um as what usually um called Apex has been doing with their Blu-rays, but Definitely something to check out. So in the future, maybe in the next couple weeks, look for our angst episode with Urban Leader. I'm very excited about it. It's going to take some time setting it up. Um watch it. Yeah. yeah. He's in Germany. (laughs) So we're at the So yeah, it's it's kinda tough for us. So I just wanna but I really wanted to tell you guys to watch it because when we I don't want you to miss the episode because it's a you know it's very it's going to be spoilery cuz like, like like I said there's no way to talk about this movie um with an actor like this portraying this role and not talking about it in depth awesome. so definitely pick it up it is fucking one of a kind holy fuck like this movie's only like 80 minutes it's 87 minutes, but it feels 30 minutes and it feels so fast. And I don't know, like for me personally, watching something from a first time director, something that's foreign because usually when films are foreign, it's kind of hard to maybe keep up with the emotion because you're reading rather than hearing, which I always think is a fascinating thing. Uh, because you don't know if the actors are bad sometimes because you can't, you don't understand that. You're just reading it. You're not actually hearing it. Um, so to be, but in such a movie and also being voiceover, being so drawn into these characters and, and just the act of what's going on is truly unique. So kind of excited what people think they're probably going to say, man, you fucking are weird. And that movie is crazy. Awesome. it is, it is, but I totally fucking dig it.
0: Awesome. Well, Hey, uh, Let's jump into our interview, man. We got, we got some good stuff to get to. I'm extremely excited about our guests, uh, today. Brad has done a hell of a job wrangling everyone together. Um, it's all Travis. Travis. (laughs) Okay. Brad did a great job of getting hold of Travis where Travis did all the legwork, um,
3: for, like usual
0: for today's episode. We're of course talking, uh, we are still here and on the, uh, on the Skype, on the Skype connection, uh, we have good old Travis Stevens. What's up, Travis? Are you there?
2: Oh, he's He's don't seriously.
0: Hello. <laughs> there he is Uh we have a director writer and director. Yeah, uh oh. Was...
2: <laughs> There's Sorry. our Skype problem.
0: Yep. We'll we'll keep on going here. Um we have writer and director uh Ted Gagan. Ted, what's up? Yo. I'm doing well. And uh we have the uh the beautiful Barbara Crampton on the call with us as well. Hello, Barbara.
4: Hi, nice to be here. How are you?
0: Good. Okay, did we uh is everyone still here? Is that a joke? We
4: are still here. Is that, are still was that, here. that was a
0: horrible pun, that? and I apologize. You were waiting
2: for that. You had that written down, <laughs> didn't you?
0: <laughs> no, my Skype screen is like uh flashing because I think uh, Travis is having uh, trouble with his connection. But um Is Travis here? Travis yes, is here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Travis is back. Awesome. Hey, <laughs> hey Travis. <laughs> oh,
2: hello. So how's everybody doing, number
5: one?
0: <laughs> uh, Wonderful. Um,
2: So we have um, everybody on the line from We Are Still Here, which is a, you know, kind of a festival favorite. Mm -hmm. And when I was um, when I was looking back, I I saw it at South by Southwest and it had a um, terrific response. And I kind of I kind of enjoyed because I'll just be honest, sitting in the audience watching it, I was digging it. But at the time it was over, I was like, man, I really hope this is received well because it's so well made. It looks great. It feels like a Hammer Fulci film. But I just, you know, it's it's a very familiar story. But I was just hoping that you know we could people would come together and be like, you know, this is definitely what throwbacks need to be without winking at the camera, without having anything special, just making kind of a traditional ghost story. But you know, with killer cinematography, great soundtrack, wonderful special effects by Marcus, and you know, just just a hell of you know just a setup. And it was really relieving to me is to see the response like from. You know, even on Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, kind of all these, you know, people that are kind of almost fed up with the throwbacks because there is too much winking at the camera nowadays. So people are starting to put up a a wall towards it. Mm -hmm. But I was I was really glad to see how well it was received and also seeing the response recently because this was released on what Blu-ray DVD last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Correct. And just the response from, like, pictures just on, like, Facebook uh, groups and Twitter just showing the sold-out things, showing people were buying it. I mean, I, I look at Facebook quite a bit because, I mean, we're mostly a physical media podcast, so I pay attention to a lot of stuff. I've never seen as many pictures of a single Blu-ray other than we are still here like everybody was buying it and it was just, it was such a cool fucking thing. And it's obviously great for you guys and great for Ted. So I just want to know how that kind of response from the festival circuit, worrying about if people are going to like your film and how it's going to be received. And then ultimately like kind of the success that you've seen from, you know, people tweeting and Facebooking with the sold out thing from like Walmart to Best Buy to Amazon I mean, it's sold
5: out on Amazon, for Christ's sakes. I, I didn't even ass.
4: know that. That's amazing.
5: Yeah, um, well, it. Uh, y- I think, you know, you go into any project, you know, hoping for the absolute best in terms of how it will be received. And, you know, we tried to make something from day one. I mean, when Travis and I were in the process of trying to refine the story and figure out exactly where we wanted it to land, you know, we always kept going back to the idea of it being, you know, just high concept enough that it felt like something special but completely approachable for, you know, as they say, kids these days. You know, <laughs> we, we wanted we wanted something that really towed the line so that, you know, kids who go gotten you know, watch and love the latest Blumhouse films could watch this and, and find something very endearing and fun in it while, you know, hardcore fans, you know, would be able to see it in a, a different light. But you know, that it would remain accessible to both. And I I think it was, you know, I speak for myself when I say it was quite scary. Not sure uh, if people would respond to it in that way. But it took me a few festivals. Uh, You know, the response at a South by was really good. But it it took a few more festivals before I could actually breathe again and -hmm. realize that, uh, that people were enjoying it. And You know, I'm a a physical media guy, so even though, you know, when we opened in theaters and on VOD this summer, it was really exciting. It's been nothing compared to the DVD and Blu-ray launch of the movie, just because I've seen so many people, like, just like you said, you know, taking pictures of it and everything, and I think that's just because, I mean, a, a testament to Barbara and Travis and everybody else who was involved in the movie, you know, we you know, we kind of, we have a very close knit community and we all care about each other a lot. And, you know, I I think that, you know, the horror genre and filmmaking in general, you know, it's a big enough world for us all to be successful. So I think, you know, we're all just rooting for each other and we're all kind of helping each other out. So, you know, it not, not only has it been Travis, Barbara, Andrew, you know, the rest of the cast, but also just, you know, all the other filmmakers out there, you know, who have worked with Barbara and worked with Travis and worked with everyone else on the film, you know, getting behind the film and, and pushing it out to everyone they know as well.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of everyone's been behind this movie as for, it's, that's what has been that's what's great about having a cast that ex- that's excited about the film as well. Cause Barbara, you post a lot about the film, especially when the the festival circuit was going on. How early did you get involved with, with this film? Um, was it pretty early on or did you, you know, when, when did you get?
4: Involved right. With this? Um, well, I, I met, uh, Ted during, um, the publicity for your next when that okay. came out because he, he sort of moonlights as a publicist. And, um, and uh, we just became friends, and he sent me the script just to kind of get my take on it. And I read it, and I thought it was wonderful. I loved it. Um He didn't tell me at the time that he had me in mind for the role of Anne. Um, I think he maybe didn't want me to get too excited and then be disappointed. It's just so hard to get any movie made these days. So he didn't mention it initially. He just kind of wanted my feedback. And it was many months later um, that he called me back, and he said, I have Travis Stevens involved. And... I was, you know, quite happy about that because I'd been a fan of his and seen a lot of the movies that he had done recently. And then he said, "Dark Sky is going to be involved, and um, you know, we think we're going to shoot the movie, and I'd really like you to play this part." So, um, that's kind of how it happened, and um, I was thrilled. I mean, it's a wonderful part um, for me as you know, I get older. There's not you know, seemingly there's not a lot of parts for, you know, women my age and, um, to have such a strong character that's, you know, rooted in, in something that's so strong, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the emotion of losing a child and, um, to have the foundation of that to, you know, launch us into this crazy Lovecraftian Fulci world, (laughs) um, um, really helped all of us as actors, you know, have an anchor for Mm -hmm. something and, um, so it was like one of the best experiences of my life working on this movie. I just had a great time, from, you know, working with Travis and Ted and working with Larry and Andrew and Lisa. It's just, you know, it was just a, an amazing, really fun time and, and very collaborative and, you know, really supportive as, as Ted's alluding to, you know, mm-hmm. not, not just from the people that were on set, but, you know, all the other people that we know, you know, just really rooting for us to make a good movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is nice to see you back on the big screen. I will tell you that. Thank you. See, seeing you almost every festival I go to, there's a Barbara Crampton <laughs> movie yeah. somewhere. That is, I mean, that's I something just, for you know, like for myself growing up watching your movies, and you know my mom always talking about you and soap operas and everything. She's like, Oh, that's the woman on my soap. You know, (laughs) know? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because everyone, I mean, you watch a lot of horror films. There's a lot of people that got their start in soap operas or have done Mm -hmm. some, you know, daytime television. And my mom was always, she was obsessed with, uh, you know, it was soap operas and horror films. Those are two (laughs) favorite things. So whenever we would watch something, she would point it out and, you know, and so like, You know, whenever I would bring up a movie, I would say, hey, the person that you like from your soap operas in this or whatever, and that would give her even more, you know, enthusiasm to watch it. So, yeah. It's kind of funny, you know, with you, you're, you're one of the actresses that there was kind of a conne- connection with my mother because she Aww. knew who you were. So, you know, I could put on, you know, a movie about robots killing people in a mall and she would be all for it. You know? <laughs>
4: yeah, that's fantastic. So, She's like, oh my it, God, it's Leona Love. Yeah,
2: exactly.
4: Yeah, that's funny because you usually don't get um, – the crossover from the fans it's usually like people either know me from the soap operas or they know me from horror movies um, but usually don't get fans of both but but in a way I think um, there, there's s- sort of a heightened energy to um, soap operas it's a little melodramatic and there's definitely a heightened energy to horror movies so I actually think you know it, in a way there's an underlining um, you know um, energy about both that are kind of similar even though um I don't get too many crossover fans but um <laughs> but I I'd love to meet your mom sometimes you must <laughs> be there,
2: Yeah my mother <laughs> is number one we watched actually um she missed out on your next and we watched that I don't know maybe a couple months ago
3: yeah
2: and and she was just like I popped it in and it was like this has been a long time since you know kind of watching stuff from the 80s so you know uh, you know, it's been a, a while since I even lived at home. We were watching movies together, so she came over to my house and we were, you know, showed her a couple films, and um, you know, we put on your next. And then she was just like, "Oh my God, that's the Liana Love." Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't look any different from what she looked like in you know in the in the '80s or whatever. And I was like, "Oh yeah, totally." I was like, "Now I remember talking about that."
3: Yeah. So yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but Funny. K-
2: kind of a uh, experience. One thing I I had. Um, I was at the South by screening. There was it was a ton of good questions. It was a great, great Q&A. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to mention, and I'll preface this by a, a question as well, and you can answer after, um, after I'm done. One thing that really touched me, and I was probably one of the most emotional Q&As that I've ever been to, and it was just something Monty Markham said. He said that, it was a privilege to work with people like like yourselves, and he wishes that he was young again to be in that type of environment hmm. and making movies like you know kind of the DIY like you guys are doing. Yeah. Coming yeah. from someone so prolific like Monty Markham saying something like that that was extremely touching. And I would just want to know like you know were you expecting that comment, and also how did kind of Monty get into working uh, with you on this project.
5: Well, he almost made me cry when he said that. So. Dude, I <laughs> saw your
2: face, and I was like, I almost <laughs> had tears in my eyes. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, I was like, this no, the it Neon, Neon City director is telling telling us this, <laughs> you know?
5: Yeah, so no. he's, uh, Monty actually came to us <clears throat> through traditional casting means. Um, you know, when we were interested in filling out the roles, he was someone, um, Travis actually, had, uh, I believe, found him through you know the traditional means and said what do you think about monty markham and i thought i don't know who that is and Mm -hmm. i looked up a photo of him and i was like i know exactly who that is and he's one of those people that i've known his face my entire life um yeah no i i grew up with him as the the first extremely strong uh gay character on a television series he was blanche's gay brother on the golden girls and I, the second I saw his face, that was the first thing I remembered him as. And I, I got so excited. I was like, oh, my God, I've, I've known who this guy was since I was like eight years old. Oh, yeah, and, um, you know, I, I just started going through his filmography and just, you know, the amount of things he'd been a part of completely blew me away. And it was uh, rather humbling to have someone, you know, who's been acting longer than my father has been alive on the set of my first film. So. And
6: he was yeah. so intimidating, too. I mean, because that's like, <laughs> man, man. oh yeah oh completely and we were just like okay we better get our shit together (laughs) uh so he's sitting there and then you know i think the first day we were working with him we were we either rehearsed the scene or or something happened where ted and i and sort of really discuss the dialogue a bit and sort of look at it and be like is this repetitive for scene that happens later da 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 and we start reworking it and Monty was just like, what are you guys doing? I mean, I prepared for this. I'm ready for this. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, I was like, he's just going to smack us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not those kids us. who aren't respecting the process. <laughs> um, so I think at least for me, and I, I think Ted as well, like we went through the rest of the shoot, just really, uh, his opinion mattered and we wanted to, to, uh, you know, right by him and so at the at the screening when he said that and, and since the movie's come out how supportive he's been throughout the process has been really touching
5: yeah no it's uh it was amazing he you know he also made a comment earlier on in, in that exact same q a where he um when we went down the line he said he said well i've never been in a picture like this before <laughs> and I don't, and then he said and I don't know if I ever will again. And I remember every, everyone laughed, and I had that thought where I said, "Oh my God, he's never seen the movie before." And I said, oh "God, I hope he liked it. Like I really <laughs> hope." He <liked> it. Like, <laughs> and the more you know, the more he talked, the more I realized that you know this is coming from an 82 year old man. You know, like he, I, I pray to God that he does a hundred more movies just like this. But yeah. you know, he followed it up with that you know very touching statement that you had said earlier. You know that it, it just kind of occurred to me that you know. This is the first time he'd ever been in a horror movie in his entire career you know yeah, the, man, yeah. the man had been directed by William Castle but he'd never been in a horror movie before so it was it was really unreal to you know hear that statement and you know just kind of actually put it all into focus and like Travis said, he's emailed us so many times and you know he always keeps it very brief but the the last one he he said to me it's it's the sort of thing that I just want to frame and put on my wall where he just said. You know, he knows how hard it is to make a movie, let alone a good movie. And, you know, just how proud he was to be a part of what seems to be, you know, a really beloved new film. Gosh, and, you know, it awesome. just, you know, my heart just grew 10 times. You know, mm-hmm. just yeah. such, such a joy. I'd, I'd kill to work with him again. Just an amazing professional, nice dude.
2: Yeah. No, it's, it, it was one of those things that when I, When I saw his name pop up, I was like, holy shit. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I had no idea Markham was in the movie. And I've been a fan of Neon City since I was fucking, that was, since I was little. Like, I had a Neon City poster when it was like eight, like, I don't know, like weird, like weird measurements, like 13 by 17, something crazy like that. And it was like all ripped up and torn. I like found it, like it was like a a VHS release poster or something like that. I got at uh, a flea market. I was, like, so happy when I actually had that. Um, So, yeah, I kind of grew up watching, uh, you know, knowing who he was. Um, I mean, he did a lot of TV, but I was more or less into, you know, his films. And when I got older, then I saw him pop up a little bit more. Um, But, yeah, I was always a big fan of Neon City. So when I knew he was in the movie, I was just like, this is going to be interesting, because I I knew I was like he's never really done a horror film before so let's let's see how this is going to be and I knew Marcus was doing the special effects because Marcus and I are good pals and so when I knew he was doing that I was like man I, I was like I was so pumped for that screening <laughs> you know and then just just watching the special effects unfold that was another thing that is it, kind of what I'm getting at since yeah. I'm rambling is that with uh, with the special effects. Um, I imagine that you're super pro practical effects because that's one thing that really, really, really stood out, and I think is standing out for a lot of other people is that, you know, all these, you know, bigger movies are complaining that practical effects takes too much time, too much money, blah, 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 but you know, everything pretty much as I can remember watching it a few times, uh, other than maybe kind of the embers that you know, or on the, um, on the family, uh, burning, burning up and maybe some of the, you know, digital, uh, steam, but, um, like how did you approach that at first with practical effects or was it kind of a mixture with Marcus saying what he could do and what he could show you that, you know, his blood cannon
5: and shit like yeah. that? No, I mean, we, well, you know, we had initially planned on doing <laughs> everything practically and it, uh, you know, it really wasn't until much later that we started having discussions about what we could do, you know, to augment Marcus's amazing practical effects. Um, you yeah. know, the idea was to, you know, highlight what he had accomplished and, you know, make it into something even more spectacular. And, um, you know, Travis had worked with Eli Dorsey um, on uh, previously, who's a digital effects artist based out of Oregon. And he came in and, you know, he basically told us from day one, he said, I know that I will have achieved my goal if you don't know that I was here, you know, and right. it, it's, it's, it's oh, awesome. It, it's great to hear that. I, I realize how hard it is for an artist like him though, you know, in, you know, hiding behind the curtain the whole time. But I, I think that what he did, you know, really assisted with, with the effects work. And I mean, Travis can certainly attest to, you know, I, I fought very hard for Marcus to be our effects guy just cause I've worked with him for years and years. and, you know, you always hear the stuff about just like you said that practical effects take too long and they're too complex. But I, I think if you if you have a really great team, I mean, the amount of stuff we were throwing at Marcus and his crew on a daily basis, stuff that wasn't mm-hmm. even in the script that we just dreamt up, and how quickly they'd turn it around and and bring it to life, I I, I feel like there's no excuse for not using practical effects.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. no, I think I think that's something that's going that I see carrying over too is you know. People that, you know, uh, don't know you guys at all, you know, not where it's friends, you know, congratulating you. It's just complete strangers, you know, really rallying and coming together and saying, holy shit, you know, you need to check out this movie because it looks really good, like for practical, practical effects wise. Cause that's one thing that is becoming more prominent with horror films today, especially independent horror films is that you know, we're all wanting practical effects because it reminds us of, you know, if you want to do an homage or want to, you know, make a a throwback, you know, you, all your cards have to be in kind of the right setting. And, and I think this is definitely one of those things that, uh, it definitely all came
0: together. Um, BJ Calangelo couldn't be, uh, here with us to, for this interview, but she did send me a question relating to the, uh, Special effects. She, want, she wanted to know uh, who was responsible mainly for the character designs of the ghosts. Was it uh, all Marcus or, or Ted? Did you throw your two cents in or how was that collaboration uh, process there for the for the designs? I mean, it was a mix, you know,
5: it was, uh, you know, I certainly gave Marcus a lot of freedom with, you know, what we wanted, but ultimately, you know, it was a mix of the ghosts from the fog, the, uh, I I always say the, uh, the taxi driving ghost that you see for a split second in Ghostbusters (laughs) Nice. (laughs) and just kind of, you know, a mishmash of something that's both real and fantastical. You know, we, we decided early on that like the Dagmar family, even though they've been burnt head to toe would still have hair. Um, so, you know, like Papa Dagmar still has, you know, his hair and he has a beard, you know, his wife and daughter both have long hair, little things like that, that, you know, if if these were true burn victims, you know, that they'd look kind of more like Freddy Krueger. And we, Mm -hmm. we wanted something that, that kind of towed the line between disturbingly real and like wildly fantastical. So, um, you know, and with that, you know, Marcus just kind of dreamt up. What we were all thinking, and it's uh, you know, it's it's exactly what we imagined them looking like the first time he uh you know he brought them out for us.
0: Very cool. How, so they were uh, they would come in and, and work closely. Like they were. Barbara, did you have you interacted with them personally, right? The the Dagmars and everything. What was what was your reaction when you first saw them come on set with the the makeup?
4: I've, well, I was blown away. I mean, they're, <laughs> because they're just the color of them, just so black. I mean, yeah. you never think of ghosts as being black. Um, and you think of them as being kind of cold and these ghosts were, were burned and charred and, you know, they were, they just looked decayed. Um, it, it was, it was, they were pretty freaky to look at. Um, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they were. Yeah. It reminded me of, uh, go ahead. And I think, you know, it was nice that, um, we had, um, you know, the two actors, Alyssa Dowling and, and, um, what's what's our buddy's name guy guy game guy, yeah guy Gain. um they they you know they're both real actors and so they brought a lot of physicality to you know those creatures and they and the ghosts and they and they really could have been you know they weren't extras i mean they were mm-hmm. really people that embodied those characters and you really felt their pain and so i thought i thought just having them you know yeah. was just a bonus
5: yeah, old... I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the Dagmar family, even though they have a limited amount of screen time in the film, I mean, they're the other family in yeah. the house, you know. I mean, it, the the movie is really about a bunch of families and, you know, it, the Dagmars are, you know, more victim than villain, you know, kind of like everyone in the film, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, there there's not a single character in the entire movie who actually has evil intentions and so yeah. – I think it was important to find actors to play the Dagmars so that in those few fleeting moments that we actually see them and kind of get to meet them, especially toward the end of the film, the audience understands that, you know, not only are these real characters, but, you know, they're not just special effects. You know, mm-hmm. these are ghosts that you should weirdly kind of care about by the time the story's over.
0: Well, the, the, one well, of the main ghosts so that Guy, Guy Gain, he was yeah. um, a Civil War reenactor. Right. Yeah. Is that, that's on his resumes that's something he does on the side or is that's, it that's all he does wow. that's
5: all he does yeah he's um responsible that for- a
4: job for that amazing isn't it?
5: <laughs> yeah he uh um, he recently worked on uh several episodes of house of cards where there was historic civil war reenactment oh, nice. episodes um but no he uh he runs a casting company called old-timey casting where nice. he uh he gets guys with the uh, period appropriate facial hair and uh costumes and he was uh, he, it was really great to have him around because he actually worked quite closely with Marcus at least in terms of like his costuming and things like that uh-huh. to make sure that everything was you know appropriate and uh yeah i, I believe uh, he was actually initially brought on uh to be a prop master to make sure that everything was uh you know that in, any sort of uh things we saw on set from fireplace pokers to doorknobs were period appropriate and once we realized just how knowledgeable he was at you know the era in which dagmar was supposed to live and then on top of that we found out that he's an accomplished actor we were like we we have a better job for you on set and his flowing (laughs) his flowing beard is just yeah (laughs) yeah guy's got a good look (laughs)
0: um i always like uh to hear hear about the movies that that Travis uh you're involved with because you're such a hands-on producer. I don't, I, I feel like that doesn't happen very often. And we've talked about this in the past. Um How hands-on were you with, with, we're still here from the, were you on set quite a bit or how does that work with your, your role as a producer for this picture in, in particular?
6: Yeah. I mean, you know, Ted and I are friends and, yeah. And it was, you know, Ted's first time as a director and, um, you know, there was just trust there and it was nice because we sort of went into it together and, and sort of, I feel like every challenge that came up, we were able to sort of bring our, our, our different experiences together and and come up with solutions, uh, for those. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm as hands on as, as need be. You know, ideally, I would just be in a limousine, you know, on a giant set, <laughs> <cell phone. laughs> just throwing money around. But yes. um, up until this point, that hasn't happened yet. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it. you know, like for me, I'm in this to make some art. Yeah. and And that's the reward is being able to be creative with people that you admire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so... On this, it's, you know, it started with the process of just sort of, I think, you know, like your first question, um, uh, mentioned, it was like, okay, this is a pretty familiar setup to these types of stories. All right, well, what, what can we do to, you know, sort of dupe the audience into expecting one sort of movie? And if we do that, will that, um, make them let down their guard for, for the climax. Mm-hmm. And that was really what, you know, that was the, the magic trick we were trying to pull off with this is sort of, you know, looping them into a, uh, sort of a, a lull. Mm-hmm. They think they know what's going on and they think they know what kind of movie it is. And then allow Ted to sort of start wailing on the guitar yeah. and really start bringing in some of those flourishes that nobody would see coming from those opening frames. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that a lot of it is just sort of, you know, talking with Ted and figuring out what the intention is. And then, you know, just offering, you know, an outside perspective on on what might help, you know, get that across better. So,
5: um, you know, I, I'd, I'd say this without Travis being here. Actually, I, <laughs> I, I've said this numerous times without him being around. But, um, you know, I mean, he's the reason the movie exists. You know, I'm, I'm very Proud of everything that I accomplished on it, but you know he's, you know one of my dearest friends. So it meant a lot that you know he trusted enough in the film that you know he wanted to put his name all over it. And as Barbara has said in numerous uh, interviews in the past, that you know, I, I think the uh, I think the camaraderie between Travis and I and Kareem Hussein, our director of photography, who's who's mm-hmm. a longtime friend of mine, and Travis really got to know well on the shoot. I think that the three of us work almost terrifyingly well together. Um, in that, I think there's a mutual respect amongst all three of us that I personally had not experienced on any film set prior to this in any of my other capacities. You know, and I, it, I'll be the first to say that you know there were plenty of times where I I couldn't figure something out, and I knew for a fact that Travis or Kareem could, and I, I think vice versa. I, I think that. You know when we needed each other, we always had each other's backs, and uh, I, I think that's why we were able to make a film that is so unconventional mm-hmm. that people still understood. You know, because because we understood it and w- we knew what we were going for, and you know, the fact that you know the cast and crew on the movie believed me when I said, "Guys, like I, I you know, we ha- nobody's made a movie like this in a long time, so please just." You know, put a little trust in us that this Mm. is going to, this is going to work out. And I remember Larry Fessenden telling me shortly after we finished shooting it, he was like, that was a really weird set. And I said, (laughs) I said, I said, I said, said, why is that Larry? And he goes, he goes, it was fun. I always felt like I was getting something done. And I knew you guys knew where you were taking it, but there were some days where I just said, yeah, they got this. And, yeah, uh, I mean,
3: that's true. That means
5: it's a like, lot, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it means a lot for somebody yeah. to to later say, "I knew you got this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially someone like Larry or Barbara, who they 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 certainly don't have to think that. So I'm very grateful that they do.
4: <laughs> I yeah, I felt completely you know confident in in your guys' ability. You know, the three of you together were I I do think were made an incredible team. And you know, there were different points in the movie that it was a little bit confusing, but even to to me being in the movie, you know what are, what exactly you know was the focus here, and what are we what are we doing? And um, you know, there's a lot going on in the movie, and um, it was just I just really felt certain that you guys knew what you were doing, and I just everything was so everybody was so calm on the set. It was a very easy <laughs> set to work on, and you know, uh, Travis is a very hands-on producer, and I think he knows a little bit about every department and can advise every single person on everything from, you know, acting to wardrobe to, you know, to, um, just putting a scene together and, um, you know, behind the scenes, I mean, everything. And, you know, he, he just helped all of us. And, um, and, you know, Kareem was just, you know, wonderful at just making everybody look good in the movie and, and was, just had a funny sense of humor and just kept us laughing every day. And, and, you know, we were just so supported by Ted and his vision for the film and his beautiful story. And, you know, he gave me a wonderful gift of a really great part. And, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that I got to work with all three of you. It was just really wonderful experience for me.
0: I thought that, um, those, the, the two main the uh, characters, um, your your character Barbara, character Barbara and then uh, Andrew is it is it Sesenig S- Sesenig Sesenig um as as the grieving parents like um that that hit close to kind of close to home for me because my my in laws lost their twenty five year old son uh probably about six or seven maybe more than eight years back mm-hmm. so I've seen like the grieving process of of parents and I've been hands on you know. Wow. In through the good and the bad times. So how you both portrayed this couple was it, it seemed so like truthful from what I've, you know, you know, observed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did you guys, did you and Andrew talk it over like how you would approach these characters before? Like how does that work when you're dealing with something as kind of powerful as grief, you know, would be?
4: Mm-hmm. Well, initially for myself you know i hadn't had experience with losing anyone really Mm. close to me um my brother died a number of years ago but not like a child so Mm. i interviewed two women who i knew in my life Mm. who had both lost children and asked them pretty detailed and pointed questions and they both um with abandon answered me and um uh, the depth of you know, their grief just really knows no end.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so I you know, I, I tried to imbue the character with those feelings that never quite go away um, ever. Mm-hmm. but you know, this happened just a few months ago to the character, so it was still pretty new. Um, and and how do you deal with your spouse? you know, and Andrew and I talked about that a little bit, his, you know and 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 Ted really informed us with the writing. I mean, his, you know, Andrew's take was, you know, let's, let's push it away. Let's start anew, we're going to move to a new house. And, you know, my character just really couldn't let go and didn't want to. And then any little glimmers of hope or, you know, uh, that, that Bobby might be around or she might hear or feel his energy, you know, that actually made me feel better because I didn't, I didn't want to let go. And that mm-hmm. also, you know, informs the last moment of the, of the movie. But, um, uh, I think, you know, Ted wrote in some nice, um, moments for us. And, um, uh, some people have talked about this in reviews where, you know, we seemed like a couple because we finished each other's sentences and Ted wrote that in. That's hmm. not something that we did. Um, so, so he really helped us with that. And, you know, we, we just played, we played music. We played two different, um, you know, aspects of dealing with the grief. I mean, I was sort of, you know, really in deep and, um, Andrew was trying to come out of it. And, um, and also I, I really think, um, you know, the editing process really helps too, because I mean, I was pretty much crying all the time. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, there was uh, many times when they, they would actually use the takes where, you know, it was just before I would really start to cry or just after I had cried. So it, it, you know, wasn't, you can't it's hard to sustain a whole performance of just, you know, being dour and sad and, you know, where are those moments that um you can cling on to life and, and hope to go on and, you know, with your in laws I'm sure that's a, you know, daily battle because I, I just can't imagine yeah. the grief that, you know, they people have to carry around just losing a child. So um it was uh it was a pretty um pretty difficult, you know, thing to go through and sustain for a whole month but um uh I was glad to work with Andrew because he and I got along great I didn't know him before the movie I had just seen him in a few things and you know we got along great we spent a lot of time together and we we did talk about our characters quite a bit and just tried to be as familiar with one another and you know as possible and just try to act like a married couple Mm
0: -hmm. well it came it came through for sure for me um so that's that's fantastic
2: yeah. yeah, I think I think just pretty much everything, like everything we've spoken about, like, you know, from from the grief process to, to even uh, I wanted to kind of piggyback off what, um you know, uh, Travis was saying earlier is that. You know I said in the beginning it is a familiar story we have you know a familiar haunted house film kind of with a new spin, but in no way shape or form you know spoiler free I was expecting to be rooting at some point and clapping and cheering for you know towards the end of the film right. when mm-hmm. I was thinking that we're gonna have this sense of dread and you know kind of wanting this family you know uh Barbara and Andrews characters to um you know, to, to get through this, to pull through this. I mean, people are dying kind of left and right. And, but at the same time, like shaping those, the Dagmars into kind of like, uh, you know, I actually, I don't really know these people that much, but I actually really feel bad. So let them have their bloodshed, you <laughs>
4: right. know? So it's, yeah. it was
2: kind of, it was definitely that, uh, I, I think is really what brings out, um, the, the film itself and, and really emulates on the screen and pours out is that, you know, this is what we're doing different. And this is, you know, it, it's always it, movies should be fun. And this is definitely one of those things where, you know, we have the we have kind of the sense of nothingness mm-hmm. between between uh, the couple and and, and their grieving to, to where it's like, you know, you'd hear a pin drop in the house. You know, a lot of like yeah. walking around, Mirand, Miranding, just like trying to figure out what to do. Like, what do you do now? Like, do you sit down and watch TV? Do you eat? Like, what exactly? How do you move on from this mm-hmm. process? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it did get that sense of dread. And then we, you know, have the ghosts. I don't know. It's just, it's just a unique mix of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, with your drama and horror, kind of like very much what Hammer Films, uh, did. And, and the same thing with, um, you know, with Fulci's batshit craziness that he would do is like he would really focus on families for, you know, a good portion and then just get really wild. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to ask was with the script, Ted, with the script, uh, coming up with this idea, um, did we have, did you have the script first and then the style and kind of the aesthetic that it is to, to the throwback to the old, films or did that come first and then the story like what did you want to do first
5: sure well you know initially what had happened was a uh, a friend of mine a uh, new england-based filmmaker named richard griffin um he had reached love out. richard griffin dude you did
2: <laughs> that's, that's that, not to cut you off but Fucking disco exorcist is like one of my fucking favorite things ever. (laughs)
5: Continue. Sorry, I just had to say that. Uh, No. uh, And, uh, you know, I I had done a a rewrite on that, you know, or just kind of a a dialogue polish on it years ago. And Richard and I always just kept in touch and we wanted, you know, to keep working on stuff. And at one point he hit me up and he, he, it was right around the time the Blu ray of uh, House by the Cemetery was coming out. And we were talking. He was like, God, I love House by the Cemetery. And I said, Yeah, it's my favorite Fulton movie too. And he, he said, It'd be really fun to do kind of just a take on that. And like literally, that was it it was like a take on house by the cemetery and i i thought well you know like a family moving up to a weird place in new england in the middle of nowhere that has some secrets and you know there's something dark and horrible in the basement and it threatens to tear apart this couple and their son bobby um so i wrote that um i just you know it, it certainly had that you know it's its own spin in a in a bunch of ways and um you know initially it wasn't set in the 70s you know i mean there there were there were changes to it of yeah, course yeah. but um you know that was that was ultimately you know where it came from and initially you know the intention was richard was going to direct it and you know, after several revisions on the script, I you know, I just went to him and I, I said, you know, kind of, you know, tail between my legs. I said, God, you know, I really love this script and I, I've never felt this way before. But would you mind if I shopped it around and saw if maybe there was some way I could direct this myself? And Richard very graciously was like, yeah, dude, of course. He's, You know, like – This was like between friends. It's not like I'd been paid to write the script or anything. So it was just kind of like a script that was just kind of floating around with the hope that Richard would direct it at some point. And so, you know, we like, I kind of brought it around to a a few folks and got people's opinions and, you know, ultimately took it to Travis. And Travis really, you know, everything happened very quickly. Once you bring something to Travis, everything happens fast. (laughs) Uh, But. You know, he saw the merit in it. You know what, and especially with what Snowfort does, you know, which I I think, you know, they they're taking genre films and, you know, the they're presenting unconventional genre films in very conventional ways, so that, you know, the the average folks out there get to enjoy a film that they might not otherwise see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still it's still approachable enough that these are hopefully smart business investments, you know, like there's a, there's a reason why we're making these movies. You know, it's like, like Travis said, you know, we want to make art, we want to make something special, but at the same time you do have to make sure that you're making something that people want to see. And I, I think Travis in, I'll let him uh, go, go expound on this, but you know, that's, yeah. that's ultimately where it came from.
6: I mean, I did not want to make a Fulci movie. <laughs> okay good you said it it. just straight up about it It was like fuck that we're not going to do a throwback movie we can't do a throwback movie because then you're just going to end up in this small little thing where you can't win because the audience for it is so small Mm. and then the people who are fans are just going to criticize you for (laughs) thinking you're as good it's like no we can't we can't do that um but what we can do is try to do something uh inspired by Mm. and try to Try to find what are the places in this framework for us to, to sort of, um, put it in a way that, that a contemporary audience will, will accept. And, and, you know, the hardcore fans will, will recognize, okay, I, I, I know where these guys are coming from, but they'll still experience it as something new, you know? And so that was, that was a lot of our early conversations were, were like, so Ted, we're we're, gonna make, we're making a contemporary film here, right? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 contemporary faulty film. I was like, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, 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 contemporary faulty film. And that went back and forth. And our financiers on it, uh, who who don't get enough credit, Dark Sky Films, mm. they're they're the reason why it's out in the retail's shelves right now and flying uh-huh. off the shelf. But that was their thing too, where they're like, you know, they went through it on House of the Devil which I think, you know, a lot of horror fans like us are like, this is incredible. This is perfect, pitch-perfect yeah. sort of, you know, uh, throwback film. And they're like, yeah, it's incredible for like 5,000 people. You know, it's <laughs> not not moving in as many units as, as you'd hope. So, that, yeah, I think, like Ted said, part of part of the process was sort of saying, okay, these are – these are the elements that that uh, he wants to play with in this film. These these sort of folky elements are the melodramatic elements. Okay, so what can we do to sort of sneak those into the movie uh, so that they're palatable to to a more contemporary audience who might not have the same sort of affection for for that? And you know, I think with all of our movies, but but certainly on this one you sort of have a list of, of things you're trying to accomplish with it, different ideas and different styles, different, different things. And like Ted said, you, you go into that first premiere, even after the first premiere, then second and the third, and you're not quite sure if, if you've landed it, you know, you're not quite sure if people are getting what you were, were you are setting out to do. And, and that's the biggest sort of reward from it when enough time goes by and enough people Are not just saying, I like what you did, but saying, oh, and they did this and this and and this is why this is happening and this is where this comes from. And you sit there and you're like, holy shit, all of that, that like work that I put in, you know, that we put in trying to make something like that people understood it and it came across. And I guess I'm not awful,
5: At this. Uh, You know, (laughs) if I can take anything away from this, it's, I guess I'm not
0: awful. (laughs) You have it like taped on a post it note on your your mirror in the bathroom.
2: After that whole heartfelt speech, that's all I heard is I'm not awful.
3: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Well, you know, I, you think that too, because even, you know, along with what these guys are saying, I remember the last night of shooting. We'd been there for a month in the cold in Palmyra, upstate New York, and, and you know, we were all getting on planes the next day, and and I stopped Travis in the hallway, and I said, I finally know how to play this character. Can we just start the movie again? <laughs> yeah. and I, now I know how to do it because I've done it, <laughs> and I have hindsight. It's kind of like life, hmm. right? You." You kind of muddle through your life and you don't know if you're doing good or not. Are you being nice to people? You know, could you have been nicer? And then you look back and you, and you have some frame of reference to, you know, how you could have done things better. And so, you know, all actors have that too. I mean, I, I could potentially play the role a little bit differently had I been given the chance and had Travis said, okay, let's start again tomorrow. <laughs> but it was a know. rehearsal. Yes. Much long rehearsal.
5: Kareem wasn't filming the whole time.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's one thing I I also wanted to say is that, um, you know, Travis, you were saying we're not making a Folsky movie. Um,
6: it kind of did.
2: <laughs>
3: it yeah. kind of did. in a No, way, you know?
6: Day, it is it is what it is, you know. But but, but I think the that intention, yeah. going to it with by by saying we're not. Yes. Allows it to become its own thing rather than just, like you said, wink, wink. Yeah, every and scene. I completely I agree
0: with you. So, yeah.
6: Like I fucking – references are fine, but it's like if your whole movie is just referencing what somebody else has done, you're not making art. You're a fanboy. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that's one thing to say, uh, you know, not to, you know, jerk you off on the podcast or anything, but <laughs> – You know, with the films that you have been attached to, everything, you know, from uh, the aggression scale to uh, Starry Eyes to We Are Still Here, those are all still like, you know, those throwback films that I grew up with. So, you know, when I see that your name is attached to something, I have that kind of, you know, it really appeals to me because I know that you're going to do that. I mean, cause that's what I said, you know, sitting at the theater, you know, at festivals and it happens with like, you know, four or five, you know, films at a festival is that we have a heavy sense so- score for some weird, ungodly reason that doesn't fit the movie at all. Just so that we can be like John Carpenter or, you know, we have, you know, we just have these, you know, kind of nods and winks. And I, I agree with you. I think, You know, that was a very, very, you know, um, I think that's a very prominent thing to sit in there is that we are not remaking something. We are not paying homage. You're being influenced by who you love and – if you love these people and you love these films and you love these directors and their styles, that's going to pour through on the screen no matter what. You don't mm-hmm. have to force it. And I think that's exactly what too many filmmakers these days are doing because retro's coming back and they're very confused on how to do it. Because I don't, the audience isn't stupid sometimes, but they are. But for the most part, mm-hmm. your audience is a stupid. They're horror fans. We're going to get it. We're going to see that. Without referencing any Fulci film, we are going to understand that obviously this is you know heavily inspired by House by the Cemetery. I actually said that earlier, I think, on one of our shows talking about this film. Um, so going into with that, Ted, like did you kinda have did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Like, were you wanting to pull, not pull from things like not necessarily like that, but were you wanting to do something a little bit different from what Travis, like at some point did Travis say, no, let's try to do this instead or point you in a new direction with that?
5: Uh, I think the number of conversations that Travis and I had to step outside to have, you could count on one hand, which I think is pretty impressive for uh, any film. But interestingly enough, I I think over the course of the entire film there was not one heated discussion like and the, I I feel like that might be a world record for a director <laughs> producer working working as closely as we did because it was
6: the middle of winter though <laughs> yeah this is true
5: our, our our bodies had slowed to a crawl the ability to actually <laughs> yell had probably left all of us by day three um but no you know it's I I really am extremely grateful for what Travis brought to the film because for me. Especially it being my my first film as a director, you know, I I think it was just automatic for me to be like, and we'll take it to eleven, like we will take <laughs> it to eleven with these Fulci references. We will take it to eleven with these performances. <laughs> we will take it to eleven, and it, it it took someone like Travis saying like, I got this great idea, dude. Why don't you take it to seven, and you will be really impressed by how everybody thinks you're taking it to eleven, and. It really helped a lot because yeah. I, I think it was just my my automatic thought process to just like go big all the time. And had I gone big the whole time, I think I would have ended up with one of these self congratulatory sort of like, like you said, homage throwback sort of things. And it, well, you know, it's strictly I, like, a
2: festival film at that point, right? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
5: I mean, I know those terms get bandied around a lot, but. I, I try very hard never to call "We Are Still Here" a, a throwback or or an homage, yeah. only because I, I do think it, it lives quite well on its own. And while it does, you know, pay homage to the, you know the films of my childhood, you know, I, I I think that, and I think it's due in large part to Travis's vision for the film. It, it does stand on its own. I, I feel as though you know, had I held the reins on the film, I think it would have actually come off as much more of a throwback as it were and um you know it it took someone to step in and you know kind of help me really you know help clarify my vision for what i wanted the movie to be to end up with with what we had and uh it i think it's the perfect example of just you know having a producer you can trust and knowing that like these decisions are actually going to make this project a hundred times better than i thought it was going to be Um,
6: at at the end of the day you you want it you want people to talk about Ted Gagan, the filmmaker, not yeah. Fulci, the filmmaker. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like the movie should stand on its own feet and, and you you created something that can do that. You know, and I think it's awesome that we get to talk to people about the influences, but at the same time, you're not overshadowed by those influences. You know? Yeah.
5: No, it yeah. totally works. And you know, like you had made your comment about Travis and you know, the, the projects that he, you know, kind of affiliates himself with. And I, I often, you know, view Travis as, you know, he's, he is one of the best chefs and he is really good at comfort food. And for me, like, (laughs) that's totally, that's totally what it is, man. It's like, (laughs) it's that, like, you know, I I often refer to like, when I tell people, you know, how to, you know, how to feel about we were still here, it's like, it should feel like a warm blanket, you know, it should feel like one of those movies that kind of like, you know, like you have you haven't seen in 15 years, or you know, like I'd love it if people put in "We're Still Here" and wondered for a few minutes if they've seen it before because it feels so familiar, but it's not; it's its own thing. You know, it's totally not new. That, yeah, and, I agree. Yeah. And I think you know what Travis does is, you know, he he's really good at kind of bringing to life all those things that we loved growing up, and all those things that would you know made made us feel warm and cozy, and you know, made us feel good. And so when you watch something like Cheap Thrills, you know, which is so thoroughly modern, you know, or The Aggression Scale, you know, which you tips its hat to, you know, like some eighties and nineties cinema, at the same time, you know, they're totally their own thing. Those are those are Snowfort movies, you know. Like, and I like that they're totally their own thing, but at the same time, they really do feel like cinematic comfort food, you mm-hmm. know. Like I, We're I love making
6: it. tuna casserole over here.
5: Yeah, and you know what?
6: You know what? I fucking I love a casserole. <laughs> <laughs> no. Enough, enough about Snowflake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Making Travis about,
0: hungry. I'm getting hungry, too. So, with T-
2: Ted, um, being that you're coming, you know, this uh, obviously you've been writing for uh, quite some time now. Um, you know, as a writer, as, you know, like you said you did revisions with the Disco Exorcist, and now you have this. Um, like, uh, what do you have coming down the pipeline um, as far as, you know, more writing more directing like what is your uh next step yeah I mean because now you have something to live up to <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no, no pressure. pressure about it no, yeah, no
5: pressure anything you know little sort of damocles there yeah um i uh I, right now i'm uh almost done with a first draft of a new script it's for a project that uh i'm not going to direct um it's just a it's a new script that i'm working on for someone um and i'm really happy with it, it it's really fun it's uh very unconventional um horror film and uh i'm really stoked to see uh what the powers that be uh do with it so i, I think that's going to be going into production early next year um and then i've also got my fingers crossed uh to be directing something you know before uh before my little uh flame burns out so uh (laughs) i'm uh i've got a uh i've got a project that i'm really excited about um that i hope to be making with some uh close friends in the not too distant future and uh yeah uh, fingers crossed that that uh that becomes a reality because i i really enjoyed it the first time around and um I'd love, I'd love to direct something again. I, I feel very fortunate that I got to do it once. If I do it twice, I, I I'm officially living the dream. Nice. So,
6: we're making yeah. a movie in the first quarter of 2016 together. Titled okay, to again. at some point. There you go. Thanks, Travis. Yeah, <laughs> you have to manifest these things. Right. right.
0: Um, Barbara, what are, what are you? Um, I know that you have a couple. There's a couple films that have. That have are in either in post production or waiting oh, to be oh. released? What's What's
2: wait? Tales Tales of Halloween. Well, other than Tales uh, of we Halloween, we get to rent tomorrow, right?
4: Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, I, which
2: is now it's past because mm-hmm. the show debuts on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, oh well.
4: yeah. rent it now. Rent it now. Yeah, rent now. it now. It's available. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Um, I saw it um last night at a screening in Los Angeles, and I also saw it at um Fright Fest in London, and You know, it's 10 directors with um, their different takes on one Halloween night. And they're all good. And there's something in all of them for everybody. I mean, there's some of them are a little more gory. Some are scary. Some are funny. And uh, it just really works. It's a whole evening of, you know, horror tales. And um, I I think people really like it. I was in Axel Carolyn's segment um, as a party goer with Stuart Gordon and Nick <laughs> and Lisa Marie,
3: yeah.
4: um, and Lynn Shay and Alex Esso. And, um, you know, I had seen her in starry eyes. And when I knew she was going to be the star of this little segment, I said, Oh, I really want to work with her and meet her. Um, so we had a fun, uh, evening. We just, we shot our little segment in, in over one night and, uh, had a great time and, and her segment really stands out. So I was, I was proud to be a part of it. And, um, yeah, I have a couple of other movies that I did that are still playing um, the festival circuit. Um, Sunchoke uh, was one that I made a, a while ago, and that's doing quite well, and um, just being sent out to distributors now for sale. And and I did a movie called Road Games, where um, it's about a serial killer, and you don't know who the serial killer is till the end of the movie, and it could be any one of five characters. And um, I really had a fun time doing that movie. We actually have an announcement coming out soon that 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 uh, got bought already so hopefully you'll be seeing that soon and just working on a few other things um so it's been fun to be back
0: yeah, it's been it's been been great having you back that's for sure yeah totally thanks
2: so and tr- we need a whole fucking episode probably for travis to yeah
0: we'll get to story. travis yeah. later Travis going to show like uh, in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
6: All I'm doing Wait. is listening to backlogs of this podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> over and over. Don't don't do that. Yeah, you don't you don't have to do that. <laughs> don't torture yourself.
6: <laughs> well, well, he
2: wants to learn how to do a podcast right, and right. apparently, you know, just
5: do the opposite of what we're doing.
6: Yeah. I'm just going to call into every future podcast you guys do, even when it's <laughs> other guests. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'll see us when we're on. That's for sure.
6: Exactly. Oh man, just been right. a join call. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I want to thank all of you guys for for taking the time to, to talk to us, um, Barbara, Ted, and Travis. Um, it's a pleasure to to speak with you guys about. But we are still here. Um, everyone, go out and continue to buy the hell out of this Blu-ray if you can find it. If you can right? find it, I'm wow. sure they can find. It. I saw. I was in Best Buy the other day, and they had. They had. Yeah, some no, there.
2: no. I I picked up. Uh, I picked up two copies actually. Yeah, at, uh,
0: I've I've actually. I've bought this twice. I bought it digital, and then I bought it... Yeah, I Blu-ray. have it too, yeah. So. I showed it to a bunch
2: of friends, like, months ago. I bought it on uh, Voodoo mm-hmm. and screened it for a bunch of friends, because I knew that they would, uh, you know, because I host, uh, like, movie little movie marathons, eight to nine movies in one day. And, uh, wow. Yeah. That, that was one of the closing night one or cl- cl- closing night, like i a big fucking festival. Or something. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> One of the movies towards the end of the night.
2: And uh, I was, I, you know, it was, it was that same feeling. Cause it, you know, it was just hit VOD. A lot of people still haven't seen it. I was kind of anxious to see, cause I, that's what I love about it because you know, not that I doubt the film or anything. It's just that I I I can't wait to see what people say about it because of that familiarity with you know stuff from what that they're familiar with growing up to you know like you said you know watching a film and think they've seen it again but it's something fresh and new and everybody loved it. And I was just I was super overjoyed and that's I think that's what mm-hmm. my biggest thing is is just watching the success of this movie. Like you know it, it feels like the movie's made for me. You know, and I, yeah. I think it's, I think that's a pretty cool feeling when, you know, you watch a film and, and you, you think that that filmmaker, like, had you in mind.
3: And it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's
2: always a blessing, uh, for, for, to feel that way and, and to watch films, because usually there's one a year that I, I feel, I feel that way, and, um, you know, de- definitely, we are still here. Was a huge blast at uh, at South by, even though we well, got pitted up against Fast and Furious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> remember yeah, that, that
1: shit? That night. Yeah. God,
2: but yeah, no, like no, but that fucking <laughs> theater
5: pe- filled filled out though. You know, well, yeah. and that, and Tra- that was Travis cool. is the one. He he called out James Wan. He was like, he was like, I get what's going on. You got somebody, somebody else. <laughs> Somebody else makes a badass haunted house movie and you gotta, you gotta <laughs> get
6: it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. He tried to crush our franchise before it began. But if you're if your listeners are having a hard time finding the um, Blu-ray in stores for the cost of a bus ticket and a bottle of scotch, Ted will come to your home and read you the script while you're in jail.
5: That sounds like a funny. True. Movie.
0: <laughs> I may look into that.
5: See what it see what it runs,
0: you. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again, you guys, for, for talking with, we're talking with us. We, uh, all three of you, we wish you all the best with the future, future stuff. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Ted, you're on my, you're on my radar for your next movie. So. Oh God. For sure. No pressure again. No pressure. No pressure at all. I mean, it's just me. Come on. We're going
2: to create a Ted Gagan podcast (laughs) and just discuss of what is going to possibly come up next. Right. We'll Well,
0: analyze every movie you make from here on out. And the special guest will be
2: Travis each time.
4: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Alright, guys. So, Thank all you right, so guys. much for having us. Thank
0: you. You bet. Alright, appreciate Thank it. You so much. See you guys. Alright, bye. bye. Cheers, guys. you guys enjoyed that interview I know I know we we sure did um but let's jump into our two segments here before we close out the show uh let's start off with Scream Streams
3: Nate wake up
6: there's something very important I forgot to tell you
0: don't fucking scream at me
5: scream I'll break your (laughs) neck
1: don't scream miss (laughs) don't scream (laughs)
2: Strange, strange. Dude, so, how do you not like Ghoulies Three?
0: Fucking Ghoulies Three! Was, Dude, uh, what's
2: there not to like about Ghoulies Three?
0: Ghoulies Three.
2: How can you go into the movie being serious? Number one,
0: I don't, well, it's a Ghoulies movie, but
2: yeah, that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> um, it's been
0: a it's been a long time since I've seen Ghoulies One and Two, so that jumped into Ghoulies Three. Here's my biggest problem with Ghoulies 3. I don't care about the college stuff. It basically turns into like a college frat comedy. Yeah. Um But the the freaking how they turn the ghoulies into basically the three the three stooges yes. is annoying as shit. Oh uh, <laughs> no annoying I could of the- I couldn't stand it because
2: number 1 the anything that Charles Band touches is goofy. And to make a serious Goonies movie, like they tried that twice. And it turned out being more of a comedy than anything. Right. So making it just kind of this bat shit, you know, fucking, you know, college frat movie, they did it. And it I think it works on multiple <laughs> levels. Like yeah, the movie's not great, but by all means, all, you know, the four movie, the four ghoulies movies that exist, like, you know, this is definitely uh, the best out of the four. I mean, part part four really isn't really even a ghoulies movie, um, if anybody knows the backstory to that. But, you know, I just, I think it, it captures just that, the batshit craziness I mean, look at everything that it kind of led up to with, you know, there's always that comedy from the ghoulies kind of being,
0: Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it is. It was, it was, in,
2: the, in the first one, there's there's three of mm-hmm. them. Um, in, in, in the second one, there's five, and then you have the big one, of course. But I, I just think everything that kind of, I don't know, from John Carl, uh, I guess Butcher is his last name from also coming from him, from coming right off of uh, Friday the 13th 7, uh, which is kind of the more batshit crazy Friday the 13th movie, Mm -hmm. uh, something as, you know, unique and grimy and filthy as Cellar Dweller, to also Troll, who, you know, not Troll 2, but Troll. Um, I don't know. I I just like his style because he takes – he takes the – is this what you're going to say about the horror comedy?
0: <laughs> yeah. I forgot I was going to say these, something.
2: <laughs> well, no, I under, like I understand what you're saying, but these <laughs> films are pure – like Ghoulies 3 is pure comedy. There's no horror about it. It's not even it. like
0: it, – it's just stupid, the stupid oh. Three Stooges crap and the horrible little like music and everything. It was just – I don't know man it just I it didn't hit me at all like as as in fun like I was like oh god it's just dumb and then how okay
2: maybe maybe, maybe it's so a nostalgia thing maybe the, it's, it could
0: it could be and that's and that's fine like I'm totally like people are oh there's no such thing as nostalgia I think there is, and if you, you know... If, no, if just, there is. Only, I, you know, I think if you, if like you it, enjoy
2: fine. a film when you're younger... Yeah,
0: yeah, but I was never a you huge know, fan of a, the Ghoulies movies anyway, and... I you don't know. think you
2: have... I think this is a good movie to make you a fan.
0: <laughs> no. I don't, I don't know. Like,
2: it, I, I, I think this movie has a lot more to offer as far as a comedy with that blend of horror... I don't know. It just feels that sitting down watching this movie uh, for, you know, the ghoulies and also just comedies in general yeah. that have that horror aspect. I just think this is, I don't know. It's just, there's likable characters. The ghoulies are likable. You know, it's just that there's not really, the only evil person is the, you know, the teacher.
0: The, is it, the Yeah, the te- yeah, he's a te- dean or teacher or whatever. He's the, he basically yeah, plays so, the evil dean character, but he's a, I think he's a teacher.
1: Yeah, so like, you
2: you like you like Skip, which is the most common you know college name in movies there, there is. But you know, I think is isn't his name Skip? I always just say Skip, like that's my normal like go to. As soon as like, hey, what's the character? I don't know. Name? I'm not on. Uh, yeah, Skip Carter. There you go. Skip, Skip. And then Professor Ragnar was the uh, yeah. That the is Skip, a great name though. Professor Skip. Ragnar. Yeah which is funny cuz our one of our next VHS things there's another character well, named
0: Ragnar. We're right going to we'll get to that in a second. Like this this actually makes a for even even though I did strongly dislike this this flick. Uh in the strongly? right in the right setting this would strongly. make
2: strongly. In the strongly. right strongly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't like it is at all. Is that the right word? I was oh, sober too, so I, I probably should have had an abundance of alcohol. You don't have to be
1: drunk to enjoy like <laughs> Like going into Ghoulies like here's the thing,
2: it's it I guess this is my standpoint. It's hard for me to fathom that people would go into any movie that is produced by Charles Band, a full moon movie, anything he's associated with, even the title Ghoulies and seeing the cover, you don't take this movie seriously. So you,
1: did you take it seriously and if you
2: Oh no no
0: no 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 no, no I knew what you I was like getting about into about it. No, I like, knew what I was you, getting to. It's, it's just, just the so silly. It's just that's I, it's just like stupid silly. Like maybe if you're like eight years old, you'd get a you'd get a kick dude, out of it and have you know. Yeah, have Yeah, I just, think you know,
2: like maybe a kid with some maybe some learning issues that was maybe about thirteen wrote this script. That's what it felt like, you know. Yeah, and it, it think that dick and fart jokes are funny.
0: But well, yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. I, I knew it was a horror comedy That's the thing. I just think the the humor for some reason just the uh, it it was just too dumb for my taste at the time. So uh, I don't know. And I'm not the only one. I I posted the picture of Ghoulies 3 and people said, "Oh man, I'm sorry."
1: Well, <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where people automatically react. I I think if you rewatch Ghoulies, um because
2: I actually watched I've watched all 3 in the past like 2 weeks because I I watched um I watched one and two with Willow, and I actually have a funny story about part three. Um, because I watched one and two because they're both like PG 13. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she can't watch Ghoulies three because there's, you know, there's very, a lot of sexuality a lot of titties. in it. Um, and, you know, and, and titties. So, you know, she said, you know, cause she asked, and it's a, kind of a common question now when I show her a movie, she gets to ask, is there more?
0: Which is um, funny because this has the stupidest humor. That's aimed at more at a younger audience, but it's like the R <laughs> R rated one. Yeah, it one sucks because all. I really
2: want her to watch it because I know she would giggle. Right? Yeah, like a motherfucker watching this. Them hitting each other, and you know,
1: it's just <laughs> 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 when the when the cat ghoulie keeps saying pancake.
0: Oh my god!
1: <laughs> and then they bomb. Him like, are you not fun? that funny. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I just like. <laughs> I don't know, man. And Dude, where did that toilet I don't come know. from? It's not in the other movies.
1: <laughs> no, I know, but this is the only movie they come from a toilet. They're <laughs> in a toilet every cover. So this movie is – this this is this is the Defender of Ghoulies <laughs> movie. They finally come from the toilet. They're <laughs> going to get you in the end. Yeah, they're going to get you on the toilet.
0: That's so, right. The, the other two didn't have the toilet, did they? Yeah, the only But it was marketed to- with the toilet.
2: Yeah, the first two are covered on, uh, with a toilet. Now the only time in the second one is that when the guy goes in the bathroom – at the towards the end of the film, he's attacked on the toilet. Okay, But you don't really see it or anything the, like that. So
0: the first one was obviously just, they had that There's, idea for a poster. I don't and, even
2: think you see a toilet.
0: Right. <laughs> they come from like a satanic ritual or something, right?
2: Yeah, I mean they always come from a satanic ritual, yeah. but this is the only time they actually come from the toilet. The toilet is the toilet. From a portal. comic book. Yes. <laughs> so, but back to my funny story is that when I was little, I mean this movie came out, you know, in 90, 91. So, I was only six or seven at the time of its release. So, way too young to watch it. So, and I was a really, I loved Ghoulies 1 and 2. So, when my mom found out it was rated R and she, you know, she rented it for herself, that's what she used to do. She screened the movie after I went to sleep. Then she'd be able to tell me if I could watch it or not, which, you know, pretty much everything. Was, you know, nothing was really off limits too much. Or she would edit out the titties Mm -hmm. on another tape when she would transfer it so I could watch that. My mom was pretty hardcore about that. She was, she was like the best mom because she made sure that I got my horror education uh, through bootlegging. Um, So I just remember saying, Hey, mom, can I watch Ghoulies 3? And she said, Oh, no, you can't because, you know, I was like, Well, can't you do that tape thing? And she's like, No, it's just, there's like way too much. You know, it's like way too much work because there's too many titties and a lot of sexual references and stuff like that. And so I was like really sad. Well, my mom found joy out of this, and she said, the ghoulies are going to college, but you're staying behind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was like, that's awful. <laughs> like, it just made me even cry even more.
0: Wow. So like, that's the awesome. whole
1: time. The whole time growing up. I had this thing in my head where the Ghoulies are going to college, but I'm being I'm I'm being held back.
2: <laughs> so, I remember like Goonies three was the one I watched the most frequent, and I honestly haven't watched it in quite some oh, time man. until we um I revisited for the podcast. But it was one of those things that I just felt so natural,
1: and I, I maybe
2: it is more or less a nostalgia thing because this is the one that I. Was rewatching rewatching most of and it was movies. the and it was
0: the forbidden one. That's what that's the deal.
2: Yeah, it, when well, it was forbidden. And there's also like the girls are really cute in this movie.
0: Oh so, yeah, oh, and, dude. Yeah. And during I mean, the panty on. raid, the
2: panty raid. Come on, the yeah. panty raid. I'm- panty raid. And that whole like when she's working out,
0: but they're like <laughs> actively oh, having sex. Yeah, that's pretty
2: hot. That's, that's
1: pretty hot. I
0: don't know. This film's got a lot uh, going for it. May have happened during that scene. Yeah.
1: So like you know,
2: hey. I I give Ghoulies 3 two thumbs up, by far the best in the series, batshit crazy, and just all around just a really good time. Now, watch this with some friends and maybe have some little liquor. I think that movie would be a fucking
0: blast. Here's what I was going to say. When we get to our next one, we can expand on it. But I think (laughs) with the right company and the right drinks, this could be a very fun double feature.
1: Dude, this is
2: like, I nail it with double features, by the way. And this is the perfect... It, Double feature.
0: Yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump into let's
2: let's preface one time. Bullies okay. is at college, it's prank week, and there's toilets involved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Pledge night is about pranks. <laughs> there's it's at a college and there's a toilet involved.
0: Amazing.
1: And they both come from toilets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the
1: movies aren't even related. As it Sid comes from a toilet for no reason. The ghoulies come from the toilet for no reason, and oh it's gosh. Prank Week. So, so yeah, Clutch Night
0: video. Oh my God. key. Well, we are last.
3: Right where we ought to be. Video. Oh my God.
2: Oh, oh my god! Which Pledge Night is in my heavy metal horror uh, list? Which Anthrax did the soundtrack to, by the way, which is fucking killer. Um, Pledge Night. Oh, Why man. don't you introduce Pledge Night
0: now? This one I actually dug. Um, Dude, I have some it's issues. So good. I have some issues with it, of course.
2: I think the but issues. Overall, I think we're almost going to agree is that but, but, it kind of. Flattens at the last thirty minutes.
0: Yeah, when it shouldn't. But overall, yeah, like, it doesn't.
2: It doesn't like it's so because it's so strong. Yes, it's very funny. Um, it's very gory. But once Acid Sid starts killing people off, that's when it kind of gets it tanks.
3: Yeah, and it's
2: which really is weird. bizarre because it's like it feels like it can't get any better, and it just then it just nose nosedive, Not nose dives to a point, but it's terrible. But it definitely takes a different route. It feels.
0: Yeah, it's almost like like the first. I don't know how long this movie is, but the whole set of- It's an hour of, and
2: 30 minutes, but I think the first, like, hour and, like, 10 minutes are very, very strong. Well, they're
0: great because it's hell a week. We got new pledges here. They're- yeah. They have to stay at this, uh, uh, frat house for, for the week and go through in all the these kinds of orientation things. And, like, those, like, you can almost, like, keep out all the horror elements where it gets bad to Yeah, crazy It's at like the Animal House. And keep this I in, mean, and it's so like terrifying, an like, it's still somewhat yeah. terrifying you know it's, it's yeah
2: it's 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 a lot of fun I mean we have this backstory about you know in the 70s there was or 60s there was this kid Sid who they went through this prank and they accidentally I don't know how you accidentally throw somebody in a tub full of acid
0: I, how do you fun. you do you actually how do you gra- accidentally grab uh, acid yeah. when you should be grabbing vinegar I don't know
2: <laughs> yeah so anyways <laughs> this kid gets burned Uh Fairly bad, because it's acid. And then um, years later, um, he resurrects as acid Sid and starts taking vengeance upon um, the fraternity. But the reason why he's taking vengeance, there's kind of a hidden little plot in there. I don't want to spoil for anybody, but there's a reason why he's back. It's just not like a, you know, hey, it's been, uh, you know, 20 years. I'm coming back. You know, there's a reason why he's there, which I thought was kind of cool. You know that they didn't just pull like Acid Sid's back just because he's Acid Sid. Um, so it's kind of like a little, kind of little bit of story, nothing major. Or anything. Yeah. It's a fucking horror flick, written by a lady, by the way, who only wrote pornos. Oh. Weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Very Joyce bizarre. Snyder. Yeah, just she didn't have much of a career, but she wrote pornos, and this is her non-porno horror film. And by the way, great fucking cover art. Again, doesn't oh, make any yeah. sense. We have a pan popping out of a toilet with a banana.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's the tagline well, the that I the banana makes a little bit of sense.
2: Bro- yeah, it does make a little bit of sense, but it's just really nutty to have it on the front cover. <laughs> but Brothers Till the End, the very end. And I fucking love that tagline.
0: Oh, man.
2: But it is. it's funny. It's really gross. It's brutal um it's uh, way over the top it becomes you know kind of a you know a supernatural slasher mm-hmm. uh towards the end of the film but that's when it, yeah it like it's it seems that they really should have stuck kind of with the theme that they had in the beginning and continued with that it's almost like right it's like they wanted to turn it too much into a horror film and i think that transition they lost it
0: yeah i don't i don't, I don't,
2: I don't think they s- were able to achieve that properly yeah. mainly probably because you know they weren't that experienced yeah but they just should have kept kind of the the you know the gangbang, joking around frat boy humor and, and
0: and this not knowing if a crazy person really is the house because they do play with that at, and this this isn't a spoiler at all you know they they oh, yeah, play yeah, with crazy, yeah. they play with that and <laughs> and I think if they would have stuck if they would have stuck the landing with that I think um it would have worked a little more I think I feel like they wanted to kind of get uh, like a Freddy Krueger type character you know with acid Sid yeah it's it, se- and, it and, seems <laughs> that maybe
2: you know I mean this came out in the nineties uh-huh. so this is kind of after the slashers so Did this come almost, out the same year it,
0: as Ghoulies 3? 90?
2: very very close. Very wow! I the is ridiculous. 91. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it, it's a great double feature. Um, but just just the fact that um, I think they were really probably trying to pull mainly for something like this. They were trying to pull for a sequel. Yeah, and you know, kind of horror. You know, maybe that icon deal. Because I mean, the 90s this is fresh out of the slasher craze, so they wanted to do something new and try to do supernatural slasher. I just don't. I think they really would have stuck with with kind of the humor and the theme in the beginning, it would have been a lot, it would have been more successful and it would have kept up that kind of that charm. Cause the movie is very charming as well. Like, you it, like it's the characters. a good, it's a good time. Like even the biggest asshole characters, you attach yourself to them in such a way, even though they are kind of shitty people, Yeah, you, you just like, you attach yourself to them fairly quickly. So I, I think once, I think maybe the transition with the director and, you know, the writer and stuff, they didn't realize they actually had charming characters Mm -hmm. because, you know, I always reference Night of the Demons with a fun movie because all the characters are assholes, so you want them to die. These characters are assholes, but (laughs) we really like them, so maybe utilize that and make us care when they're being hunted down because it seems like, oh, you don't care about these characters. We're going to kill them. It's like, no, 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 no. We actually kind of like these guys so maybe make this a little bit scarier, or maybe have them retaliate with pranks because mm-hmm. that would have been funny too. Yeah. But anyways,
0: yeah. But only yeah.
2: released only on VHS. For yeah, summer. we didn't talk about Ghoulies about availability.
0: Oh, oh Ghoulies, on it's on it's on Voodoo.
2: It's on Voodoo. It's a Lionsgate uh uh film now. Uh, it was Lightning Video, which was purchased by um um uh, Lionsgate back in the day. And Voodoo it transfers decent. It was, we didn't talk about the camera. fucking Matthew Lillard is in uh Ghoulies three. Did you catch that?
0: Holy shit.
2: He plays the
0: non speaking dork. Wow. Did you okay. not
2: did you not did you not get that?
0: It uh, went right over my head.
2: And also Jason Scott Lee is in it as the guy that is the
0: my Apache <laughs>
2: <laughs> he he plays you know in, in in Dragon he plays in um you know soldier yeah
0: wow okay totally missed I mean, that He
2: he's yeah but anyways yeah and Kane Otter's in it he he's he plays uh the stunt guy well he does the stunt in the beginning with the um with uh with the mop the mop shit Yes So <laughs> did you watch the movie <laughs>
0: I fell sleep a few times. Not gonna lie.
2: <laughs> oh God, come on. Anyways, Wooly's <laughs> uh, H. It's HDX on on Vudu, so definitely uh, it was it pretty it cheap, right? It
0: was uh, it was like five bucks to rent it or like six bucks to buy it, and I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm buying Woolies three. Yeah, it's it's a hell
2: of a movie. <laughs> young, it's, it's really fucking. Good. So, Pledge Night, unfortunately, is just one of those fucking movies that is not out on like it has a DVD release in the UK. So, if you're in the UK and listening. Um, it is on DVD, I think, over there. But as far as any U.S. distribution, other than the, you know... Let me look at my tape. Uh, Pledge Night. I can't even read the...
0: Yeah, it's, it's in the U.K. <laughs> it's or, on the well, U.K.? What I have here, says Netherlands. But uh, oh, the, but uh, it's it looks region like two. A
2: Ca- it looks like the bird. It looks like Academy, probably. Academy, whatever that was. But some no, you know, non-label fucking release, Pledge Night on VHS over here, and that's pretty much all it is. Um, but yeah, you can get it on DVD, and I guess ooh, what you, is it the Netherlands?
0: It says Netherlands here? But I'm not, I'm not on Amazon UK, so I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
2: I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's on uh, DVD over there. So, anyways, um, if you have an all-region player, pick it up. I, I don't think it's like out of print or anything crazy, and it's kind of an unknown uh, film, so it should be fairly easy to uh, to obtain. Um, if you don't, you know, I obviously find other means until this thing is uh, picked up and released. Yeah. I personally am trying to get this film picked up and researched. So there you have that. If you
0: if you can pull this off, you will be a god among men. <laughs>
2: <laughs> only to you and myself <laughs> it, and, it I, and i think my friend damon yeah. damon swindle i think he really likes the movie as well if you can track <laughs> it
0: down it's fun I, so on amazon uk there's uncensored uncut it's a, it's a dutch import uh um, yeah. from amazon that's UK. A, that's
2: another thing is the the film is heavily cut in certain uh when it when it was on vhs yeah. in the u in the u.s it's not it's it, it is uncut Um, in in the, in the U S if you do pick up the VHS, um, how much is it on tape?
0: Uh, nine, nine on tape. Well, the DVD's like pretty much 10 pounds. Yeah. So I'm not sure that translates over to us dollars. Um, there's another one there too, but I'm not sure a dragon video, but it's more expensive. So I would say, you know, I don't know. Okay.
2: Here's, here's the thing. All right. So if you look at it's shit, man, it's 40 bucks on tape. Um, but if you do look for this or have any interest, the cover that actually has Pledge Knight that has the initiation paddle on it, that is the cut version. It's the okay. uncut version is the hand with the toilet.
0: I gotcha. can't tell you that much. Okay. Good to know. Um, um it I is... originally
2: saw, I originally saw this movie on VHS when I was little with that cover. And then eventually I found it, um, to buy, at a uh, you know just a local you know like uh, thrift store a few years ago I found a VHS copy dude I thought I was gonna fucking cry. <laughs> so
0: it uh, it is on YouTube uh, if you want to see it. So <coughs> yeah, you know. so
2: if you have to find other means, this is but this is one of those like like again we this talked would be fun about, to
0: rediscover so, on Blu-ray. We talked sure.
2: about House of the Yellow Carpet. This mm-hmm. is like these movies need to be seen no matter what. If it's legal means because we need people to talk about them for companies like, you know, Blue Underground, Vinegar Syndrome, you know, uh, Code Red to hear us talk about and, you know, because the thing is, is that if you look on Arrow's website or if you look on Arrow's Facebook, uh, Screen Factory's Facebook, um, you know, let's just take one for an example. Cherry Falls,
3: right.
0: that's getting
2: released by Screen Factory. They release that mainly because the fans ask for it.
0: Exactly. Yep. So
2: if we have films like this, that, you know, their feeds popping up with like 10 comments, hey, what do you guys want us to release next? What do you want? And you have 10 people put Pledge Night that means it goes on their radar. Mm -hmm. That means somebody in that department is going to research that film and see where the rights belong. Mm -hmm. That's how we get stuff released. So if films aren't seen and we're not watching them on YouTube and we're not talking about them, no one's going to do it because there's no money involved. No one is requesting that. So that's how we have to get these films seen, get them known. Now the rights could be, fucking tied up somewhere and someone can't release Who knows it. Anthrax
0: fine. did the soundtrack, so, you know?
2: And Anthrax, from my knowledge and experience watching interviews with them, those guys are fucking cool, and they love okay. horror films. Okay, I mean, they, they fucking did the soundtrack of John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars, for Christ
0: Oh, yes. Yeah.
2: You know? So, like, and, and it's not the first time. I mean, they did a specific song for Return of the Living Dead 2 soundtrack.
0: And that's the cool it, shit, no matter what.
2: Yeah, so it, they're very horror oriented. So I, you know, I this soundtrack is obviously one of the tie ups with this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, if so, I, I have no idea. Maybe. But you know, this is one of those things where you know, you know, a film, even fucking email us, email me, tweet me, and be like, hey, man, you know about this one because we have. This huge VHS segment because that the whole purpose of it is not to be like hey I know my shit, it's <laughs> to be like hey watch this fucking movie talk about it let us know what you think and because all the films I talk about aren't just films because it's bullshit it's that I really like these things yeah you know so well Guilty Three is bullshit please. but you know <laughs> whatever
0: you know whatever Pledge Night's cool
2: Pledge Night's fucking awesome
0: <laughs> but I, this is one of the, I think like. Have a double feature. Start off with Pledge Night. Once the alcohol is flowing, you move into Ghoulies oh Three. you'll God. have a hell of a time,
2: dude. No, it's a great double feature because they line <laughs> up so perfectly. It's so and, crazy how they line up. It's though. so ironic, and they have no relation to one another. <laughs> but it's just funny, like you know. I guess it's that nineties mentality. You know, we have you know with the comedies that we had with sorority houses and stuff uh, in the nineties. I, I think that's where it all stems from. So why not do start doing horror
0: films? There, why so. not? Awesome, so. <clears throat> awesome man. Good stuff. You know, even even though I give you shit about some of these movies, it's 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 fun discovering them and deciding whether or not I like them or not. I mean, this is the stuff I would normally yeah. would not even give a you know, shot. That's
2: the thing, man. So. they're underseen by everybody. Yeah. You so, you know, know. Even 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 mm-hmm. like the horror fans, you mention it and they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Well, you know, let's talk about it. Talk yeah. about it a little bit more. Yeah. Because I mean, how many articles am I going to fucking read on? why friday the 13th is cool or what's your favorite <laughs> that rank your friday the 13th movies. no one rank, fucking cares those movies are never going to disappear
0: rank your rank the, rank all the halloween movies again
2: you know <laughs> like every time something new like we, we know those
1: movies the 10 most unrated slashers ever well they
2: all fucking have been unreleased on dvd or blu-ray who gives a fuck yeah you know, it's fun it's you fun know, to let's th- talk about shit like the this, discovery you know? stuff
0: is fun um I'm having a, I'm having a blast with these with these segments for sure.
2: So we'll have to make a uh, we'll have to make kind of a maybe a a list of the ones that we've spoke you know spoken about on VHS so people
4: yes. can reference
2: because you know the V I, I personally the VHS you know I'm the creator of a lot of these segments and Sean just goes along with my bullshit but <laughs> the VHS segment is going away because it's like my favorite no it's, and it's I fun really really get to talk about movies that you know I truly love
0: yeah so. Cool. Um, let's let's wrap wrap up here. It's a lot a lot of show today. Um, next week, get ready. We will do. We will finally do a contest for a shit ton of coffee. And bring, Brad, you said you had a movie, right? The giveaway? Yes. No. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I
2: have. Uh, the producers. <clears throat> I don't know how big of a deal it is, but I have the producers uh, yeah. kind of Halloween six.
0: Okay. So we will do that next week. Uh, we'll be we'll we'll think of some sort of uh. Thing to write in about, um, but uh, we'll do that next week. Oh, we'll and propose. also
2: watch, drum roll. Mm. Where's drum roll? Can you add drum roll? No, I can't. You fucking. hair. it
0: to take too long for me to track down drum roll.
2: I got it. Oh, dogs are barking. Shit. Um, <laughs> uh, the final girls. Yes, watch the final
0: our... girls. Hint, hint. That will
2: week. be somewhat around about our next episode with some spe- special special guest, and I finally. You probably don't know this. I'm going to tell you right now because this is a little drop a little knowledge on you. Do it. The writer – one of the writers is a duo. One of the writers of The Final Girls will be on the show. Well, actually both of them. Um, but one of the kids – well, men now. But one of the guys from The Final Girls is named Joshua Miller. Joshua Miller is the little kid near Dark. Oh. Um. He wrote The Final Girls. He also was in Halloween 3. As Tom Atkins' little kid. No way. Um, yeah. And he was also ready. Bum, This is going to be all my glory. He plays Angel in Class of 1999. So I'm going to oh. prepare fucking a list of Class of 1999 questions. So we may talk about the final girls, but we're going to talk about Class of 1999 <sighs> for a little
0: bit. Okay, all right, all right. So
2: anyways, yeah, this is a little kid. I mean, he was in a, a few other horror films here or there. But yeah, he, he grew up and he's fucking writing horror films now.
0: That's awesome.
2: So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, uh, watch The Final Girls. It's a great uh, – here's another horror – fuck it. I like horror comedies. Fuck it, Sean. Yep, you need to
0: accept it, man. <laughs> it.
3: God,
0: you need to I fucking accept love it.
2: horror comedies. But anyways, right. pl- Pledge Nights – or Pledge night fucking shit final girls is the blast
0: cool i'm excited to check it out uh, i'll be watching it uh when we get done here so i'm trying to hurry up so we can stop so i can watch the freaking thing
2: oh sorry sean <laughs> end it
0: i <laughs> want to thank all you guys for listening um drop us a line over at the uh in the show notes at the bottom in the comments whatever i uh, would love to hear your thoughts <laughs> on stuff um there's also a contact button you can Email the show if you want. If you don't want to do that, the email is readme at We're also on Twitter at scream underscore cast. And, um,
2: Brad Hennifer on Twitter. Go Sean through. C. DeRegger. Are you uh, your geek catch or yourself?
0: The uh, no, your I, I quit C. geek catch. I still have the name reserved, but, uh, whoa, Sean whoa. C. DeRegger on Twitter. And as always, you can go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors and, uh, give our sponsors some love. Um, I know that somebody had questions about grindhousevideo.com. Uh, it is back up and running. So order some stuff from them, please. All you guys have a, uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Bye bye. Bye.
4: Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.